Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. than most people probably realize, the eyes of the nation turn to New York. New York is the media center of the world. I consider it to be the capital of the world. It's certainly the empire state. But if you're interested in politics, more importantly, if you're interested in governing, the eyes of the world were on New York State yesterday because of a hotly contested special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District. If you're listening around the country This district includes a sliver of New York City, Queens, but it's uh, mostly Nassau County, which is out on Long Island, very suburban. This was a race that both the Democrats and the Republicans had poured millions into. And uh, this was a race that both of them targeted and see as a bellwether of what's going to happen in the fall. Two days ago, oh, we forgot the person who made this a national race, uh, George Santos. George Santos was thrown out by Congress, Democrats working with the Republicans to throw him out. And uh, two days ago, George Santos was on this program. He said that um, even he would not be voting in the race. And look, who could blame him for being a little bit bitter? But he cited the fact that Mozzie Pillup, the Republican candidate, was a registered Democrat as why he didn't want to vote. But yesterday... I had on uh, Governor David Patterson, who I asked his opinion on the race. Not only was he a governor, not only did he live out in Nassau County when he was growing up, but he used to be the chairman of the Democratic Party for New York State. He knows a thing or two about special elections. This is what he said. Let's compare his prediction yesterday to reality. It is true that Joe Biden won this congressional uh, seat in the 2020 election by eight points over Donald Trump. However... Kathy Hochul lost that congressional seat to Lee Zeldin Mm. by 12 points. Wow. Now, when you're having a special election, probably the most important thing is name recognition. On that one, Swazi would obviously win. He's been a congressman. He's been county executive. He's run for governor. Everybody knows who he is. But the other issue, and this would be the important one for tomorrow, is getting the vote out. Ultimately, Patterson said he thought Republicans had a good chance of winning it, but he gave the edge to Tom Suozzi, and it looks like Governor Patterson was correct. Uh, Joining me in studio is a man who knows more about New York state politics than anyone who has ever lived. Uh, My colleague, veteran broadcast journalist, radio talk show host on WABC in New York, Dominic Carter. Dominic, were you surprised at the results? 
I I agree with Governor Patterson that um, that Miss Pillup had a really good opportunity here to win, but I was giving the edge to Tom Swazi mm-hmm. because Tom Swazi he's almost an incumbent, right? right? So because he represented this district before, and he's a smooth uh, politician, smooth as they come. And uh, but she had tagged him really well with the with the uh, immigration issue Mm -hmm. and the migrant issue. And he was on the ropes and he was demanding more debates, more debates. And I thought she had a shot, but she was not she was not a polished that that's the word I'm looking for. She's not a polished uh, candidate or politician. It showed badly. Edge, in my mind, went to Swazi and he won. I believe the Republicans chose poorly in terms of their candidate. Agree. Here. You, agree. you agree with that? I agree with you a thousand percent. One of the things that I'm seeing some Republicans say is that the weather was a factor. The fact that it was. There was you, so it was. You, do you think the if it had been a, a beautiful, clear day that uh, Pillup could have won this seat? Possibly. Uh, the bottom line is, is this, Frank Morano, the Republicans were dealt a bad hand for this special election. You had days and days and days of early voting. Edge went to Democrats mm. on day of actually turning out where more Republicans are expected to vote. You had a major store st- snowstorm on Long Island in Queens impacting the vote possibly driving down the vote. So advantage went to Democrats with the uh, early voting on the day of the actual election, uh, disadvantage went to Republicans. Which is what I think the the other thing that the Republicans have been doing very poorly, not only in this election, but a lot of elections around the country, is they they kind of reinforce this idea that early voting is rigged, that early voting can't be trusted, rather than do what the Democrats have done in this race and in other Agreed. races, have a robust early voting Agreed. operation. Agreed. I think if they're going to win elections, they have to change their whole strategy, their whole mentality in early voting. Agreed. And it could have could have made a major difference in this race. She's down. She lost by, I believe it's, and this is a fluid number. It's about nine percentage points that she Looks lost that by. Way, yeah. And it, it could have been a very different, uh, different outcome. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with this race in November. I don't think the Republicans are going to nominate her again in November. I, I don't see how they can. Mm-hmm. I don't see how they, it, 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 no offense to her. She's photogenic, but she was a bad candidate. Right. And, and you know what? One of the things that I heard from people that were pretty conservative, you know, first of all, Santos obviously put that aside because he's got a little bit of bitterness. But a lot of people who share his politics, they didn't like that she was a registered Democrat. They didn't like that it took her until a couple of days ago to say that she voted for Trump in 2020, whereas, you know, she was kind of I mean, Swazi did this, too. He didn't want Biden campaigning for him. He was running not as a Democrat, but as Tom Swazi or, or Governor Hochul. Right. Of New exactly. York. Exactly. Uh, so I, w- I do think that uh, the Republicans are going to be better off in the fall with a different candidate. We'll see what happens. But now the problem for Republicans is that Swazi's the incumbent oh, yeah. now. And sure. it's, as you know, Frank, it's very hard to beat an incumbent. But but before you show me the door here, I got an important question for you. I'm ready. Happy Valentine's Thank Day, you, my number friend. one. And I think you're going to talk about this uh, later. But, Rachel, what what are you doing okay. for well, her today? I went. I went... Uh, and she's hopefully asleep right now. If she's not asleep, because I'm in trouble. We I'll have, tell you why I'm in trouble. We have broader problems. So um, I went conventional. I went with flowers. flowers. I got some roses, 
and I have them with me because I didn't want them discovered before tomorrow or before later today. And it's going to be just an adventure transporting them home in the car. I'll make sure that that they're yeah, good okay. Good luck with that. And then uh, I got some chocolate as well, okay, and then, and, and I got a good. more practical gift as well, which I'm going to tell people about later. What about you? So, What's your story? So I'm in trouble because uh, in Rockland County, New York, where I live, we had about seven to eight inches of snow. Okay, and. Um, and I was not outside shoveling today. So I got the roll of the eyes, right, <laughs> as, as I was leaving to come to work early. I'm like, hon, it's election day. I, you know, I, I got to go. And she just rolled her eyes and she goes, oh, well, you know, the driveway um, <laughs> uh, has not been shoveled. I'm like, uh, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Then I get another roll of the eyes. So I but now Valentine's Day, right now, maybe maybe I'm a square here because my daughter is a mother. So I have to get her something. Right. Because if I don't get her something, then I'll never oh, hear the end of it. No doubt. She lives in Rhode Island. So so and then and then my wife says, Don't buy me and your daughter the same gifts. So I'm like, Oh, you know, because I just want to get the same gift on Amazon <laughs> one time, deliver it on time, and that's that. So I got these flower things. You know, it's like um my wife doesn't really like flowers. So it's like a a roses thing that can last for up to a year. Okay, all right. Got, well, that's nice. Got a different uh, uh, variation no, a for my daughter. Candle is always a good gift. Candle. No, is always I always good. give her candles, and she, you know, I don't want her to burn down the house. And yeah. so then I bought her. <laughs> I bought her this. Um, I'm big on tailgating, even though I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. So I bought her this big, like, uh, wrap, like a big towel wrap, and it says Mama Bear on the back. I and, like that. That's cool. You know, so and then my daughter will get her stuff. I, I don't know, Frank. You know we can never win. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, it's also Ash Wednesday today. I don't know the last mm. time uh, Valentine's Day fell on uh, Ash Wednesday. Do you get ashes usually? No, you don't no. get it. Uh, so I'm d- going to have to do a little flower delivery. Got to deliver flowers to my mom also, but also got to find time to go and get ashes today. And I'm oh, wondering... Boy. What makes a bigger difference to people's daily routine today, whether it's Valentine's Day or Ash Wednesday? If you got to do something for both, it could be quite a quite an adventurous day. Uh, us men can't win That's for sure. on Valentine's Day. That's for day. sure. Hey, I just put a poll up on Twitter if people want to vote. What makes uh, more of a difference to your daily routine, uh, Valentine's Day or Ash Wednesday? Meantime, have you seen the note that's in the refrigerator? I have. You, I, was, I wasn't going to bring okay. it up unless you did. Okay, so I'm going to share this note on my Facebook page now if people want to check it out. Bust um, it. It's uh, facebook.com slash moranofan. It's facebook.com slash moranofan. Uh, The note says, uh, verbatim, the note says, (laughs) to the food thief, you will be caught and should be ashamed of taking food that is not yours. Come clean or you'll be outed. First of all, I've come clean on the radio. I'm not not hiding. You have. Second. I never would. What this, this note fails to keep in mind is that on the front of the refrigerator is a very stern warning saying all food must be labeled. You've got your yogurt and stuff there. It says Dominic on it. Nobody's touched it. Elias is smartened up. He's now labeling his sandwiches. Um, you know, we have uh, the fellow that's in from Matt Blaze tonight. He had this, some weird soup concoction that was labeled. None of that ever got touched. So I added another lo- note no. underneath this no. saying, with an index card, I didn't have tape, Uh-oh. It was saying unlabeled food only will be taken. Oh, so boy. we'll see but how wait, that goes. But wait. 
I, 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 I'm a, you're about to show me the door, but how do you know, Mr. Morano, what everybody's meal is in the fridge? No, it's, it's a, well, well, I check, sure it's labeled. <laughs> if the good stuff is not labeled, I have to check. Oh boy. So you do realize this conversation will be exhibit A against you, right? I, I, I trust me, the number of things that I've gotten in trouble for, uh, you know, I, I think I am adhering to the company policy. The company policy is make sure you label your food. Put hey, your name man, and date on it. You are a genius, but I'll let you fill in the other part. Okay, so, you are a genius. Right, you well, really are. But when it comes to food in the refrigerator, you've got issues, my I, brother. Look, the people need to learn to label their food. <laughs> That's it. Simple as that. Does that look like Curtis's handwriting? I couldn't tell if he was busting my chops. But, is what, that? but what if that's from HR? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Might, <laughs> do you think it might be? Yes. Oh, boy. All right. It well, be from HR, right. Mr. Morano. Well, then, you, you know. You know, they say people that are geniuses, sometimes they're off with a little thing. I mean, this guy is smart as hell on everything I know. But he raids the refrigerator, and he's looking at me now like I got the problem. Well, I, look, I mean, I think the key <laughs> is food should be labeled. That's it. Food oh should boy. be late. All right. Oh, boy. Um, all right. Um, I will let the powers that be review the security camera and wait for my inevitable food arrest. But you know what, though? You know, I do put a, a lot of food out for everybody you from do. time to time. You do. That, and I make clear everybody's welcome to. And you're going to need that email. as a defense. Ex- exactly. <laughs> he does. HR, egg he salad, does. Pizza. Every week he brings in pizza, Boom. egg salad, Boom. Uh, dessert. Boom. Uh, coffee. Boom. Uh, uh, well, water. So water when there's no water. water. Yes, That's right. Yes, so uh, HR, uh, I, I don't want to be involved. That's but, right. But Mr. Morano does bring in a lot of items. Dominic Carter is a character witness. I, my oh, termination oh boy. here. Oh boy. All right, uh, Dominic, thank you, my friend. <laughs> thank you. Uh, if you want to comment on anything we're talking about, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Vote in that poll. What makes a bigger difference to you today, Valentine's Day or Ash Wednesday? We'll get into a wide variety of subjects, including some advice for the lovelorn coming up next hour. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
looks the same as I step down from the train and there to meet me is my mama and papa down the road I look and there runs Mary hair of gold and lips like cherries it's good to touch the green green grass of home yes they'll It's good to touch the green, green grass of home. Tom Jones singing the green, green grass of home. Uh, this is a birthday bumper music dedication to, don't flip out, John A. Jr. Gotti. Yes, that's right. It is uh, John Gotti Jr.'s birthday today. And uh, this song was a, a favorite of his father's. And um, it, when it was played at his daughter's Sweet 16 about eight years ago, the he just broke down crying, as did his mother, uh, Victoria. So I know that song always has had a lot of rev- resonance with him. All right, going to get to your calls in a minute. 800-848-9222. Today is Valentine's Day. A lot of folks wonder, and we're going to get into if you don't have a sweetheart or somebody to spend the day with, we're going to assemble an expert panel next hour who is going to help you, you know, help you kind of get through the day and maybe even answer your questions. So that's coming up a little later. Now, Valentine's Day is not one of these days like Columbus Day observed or... President's Day, which is the second Monday in the third week of whatever. Now, Valentine's Day occurs every February 14th across the United States and in other places around the world. You exchange candy, flowers, and gifts. But who is this mysterious St. Valentine and where did these traditions come from? The uh, the spoiler alert, nobody necessarily knows the truth because we're going back to ancient times. But there's most people believe, most scholars believe that St. Valentine is actually two distinct historical characters who were said to have healed a child while imprisoned and then he was executed by decapitation. You never really see that aspect of Valentine's Day highlighted, do you? Nobody ever focuses on the decapitation that was so important to the root of this holiday. But um, as I mentioned, the origins of the holiday are shrouded in mystery. But February has long been celebrated as a month of romance. And St. Valentine's Day contains vestiges of both Christian and ancient Roman tradition. But who was this St. Valentine, and how did he become associated with this holiday? The Catholic Church recognizes at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinus, all of whom were martyred, as back then all the good saints were martyred. One legend contends that Valentine was a, a priest who served during the 3rd century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II 
decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families. So he outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of this decree, defied Emperor Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Others insist that the person for whom the holiday was named is St. Valentine of Terni, a bishop who was the true namesake of the holiday, but he too was beheaded by Emperor Claudius II outside Rome. Boy, I guess the lesson here is when Emperor Claudius was in charge, you did not want to be named Valentine. Other stories suggest that Valentine may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons where they were often beheaded and tortured. According to one legend, an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl, possibly his, I mean, that wasn't verboten by that at, at the time at all, possibly his jailer's daughter who visited him during his confinement. And this is the legend that I prefer. Before his death, it's alleged that he wrote her a letter signed from your Valentine, an expression that we still use today. So, look, the truth behind the legend of Valentine's Day is murky. The stories all emphasize his appeal as a sympathetic, heroic, and most importantly, romantic figure. By the Middle Ages, perhaps thanks to his reputation, Valentine would become one of the most popular saints in England and France. And uh, it's been celebrated in February for a long time, a long time. Uh, by the middle of the 18th century, it was common for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange small tokens of affection or handwritten notes. By 1900, printed cards began to replace written letters due to improvements in printing technology. And now you know the rest of the story. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Elias, uh, what's your story? Do you have uh, a romantic interest in your life? I do. You do? Are you do? What are you doing for Valentine's Day today? Well, she is currently not in the country, so uh, not much, really. Oh, well, you got a little bit of a break then, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. Hey, uh, did you see that note in on the refrigerator? I did, and I immediately knew who it was from. It's from Curtis, right? Uh, from and for, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Got it. Okay, it is. It is from, no question from Curtis. All right, so I'm not. I'm not worried about getting uh, getting fined or anything. If, uh, if if Curtis is doling out notes, and again, I will. I will advert to my prior statement that I I bring in so much communal food that I think you know it's like uh it's like taxes. You know, sometimes you get a, a rebate. Sometimes you have to you owe. Right? I think it's as simple as that. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Oh, I wanted to play for you this before we get uh, sidetracked talking about everything else. And then uh, those of you that are on hold, I will get to you. You know, I've spent a lot of time talking about the John F. Kennedy assassination. And one of the people that I would love to interview is Marina Oswald. Now she's Marina Oswald Porter. She took another husband after Lee Harvey Oswald. Someone who has been on this show, a terrific journalist, even if you're not into the whole conspiracy thing, 
he was well regarded as an investigator and a journalist long before he was covering the JFK assassination. And uh, they, he has this podcast now. It's called the JFK Facts Podcast. And so his name's Jefferson Morley. And when he was moving his home office, he found a shoebox containing a couple of dozen cassette tapes of JFK interviews, all sorts of JFK interviews that he's done over the years. And he nostalgically sifted through these relics of 20th century technology. You remember cassette tapes? I do. I still have a technology to convert them to digital, but you got to take the time to sit there and do it. And he found himself looking at a plastic box labeled Marina Oswald Porter, and he recalled, Jefferson Morley did, something that he had chosen to forget. In the spring of 1996, when he was a reporter at the Washington Post, he had three telephone conversations with the widow of Lee Harvey Oswald, the uh, man who history records as killing JFK, and he was surprised to learn that Marina had to come to, had come to believe her first husband was innocent of the crime that he allegedly committed. So he wanted to write a story about her. He knew the basics. Oswald was, um, you know, an ex-Marine who defected to the Soviet Union, and he married a local girl in Minsk in 1961. The couple moved to the United States in 1962, and by November of 1963, they had two young children and were separated. After Kennedy was assassinated, her husband, the chief suspect in the shooting, was murdered on national television. A year later, the Warren Commission posthumously convicts Oswald of killing the president. And in this nightmarish situation, I mean, imagine if this was your husband, but in this kind of situation, Marina did her best to avoid attention. She settled in a small town in Texas. She married a carpenter named Ken Porter, raised a family, and along the way, she changed her mind about her former president's guilt. So Jefferson Morley went back and listened to the tapes, and it all came back to him. His search for a publishable story, her quest for the truth, her treatment by a lot of the sharks in the mainstream media, her untrustworthy lawyers, her impression of Chief Justice Earl Warren and First Lady Jackie Kennedy, and all sorts of other things. Here is a little bit of this conversation. Now, this is from 1996, but it was just republished on the JFK Facts podcast. Here's a little bit of this conversation that Jefferson Morley had with Marina Oswald back in 1996. I think it's very disrespectful uh-huh. for officials not to even come truthful with their own people. That just show, American people should be insulted. Right. That they have been, the truth has been hidden. It always was there. The, uh, what do you call it, LaFontaine didn't invent that. It always was there. The, right. The story about Elrod, the story. Well, the, the little scruples are still laying there. Right. Whether by accident or by sheer perseverance or by your conscience, certain people looking. Right. You know, for those things. And maybe just a fascination because the Kennedy was young. But the history haven't been written the right way in the history book. And how much more lies there have been there. I found this uh, conversation so interesting because this woman, look, I mean, obviously she doesn't necessarily know if her husband did it or not, but she believes that her husband did not kill the president of the United States. She's one of the most important witnesses in this whole saga, yet her story is largely unknown. And she has not given an interview in three decades. But now with this JFK Facts podcast, and you can check out, they have a YouTube channel, just type in JFK Facts. You can listen 
to an in-depth conversation that has really never been previously heard. And it was just released yesterday. In this clip, she talks about the importance, what she says is the importance of the truth. When it comes to the Kennedy assassination, most people agree with you that Lee was not the, you know. Yeah, but they never could make connections, mm-hmm. you know, why it's important for them to know the truth. See, they think they're doing me a favor. Uh-huh. I'm not saying the researchers who truly research. They see the danger in, for America and those lies. Now, again, uh, because she believes something, that doesn't make it true. I just think it's interesting. Uh, so I figured if I thought it was interesting, maybe some of you would as well. So I figured I'd play it for you. Okay. 800-848-9222. Uh, Pamela in New Jersey, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, yeah, with with Mozzie, um, there were some issues that was a turnoff. Uh, uh, she was a Democrat, and nobody ever really answered that, and it annoyed people. And uh, she could not communicate, and believe me, she probably knows like three or four languages, so it's not that. But but I could not understand her half the time. She wouldn't answer straight up about her support for Trump. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and, and she just, like, she she wasn't a, you know, not that I like polished politicians, but um, she just didn't have it. And I said, oh, man, this is going to be a loss. And I knew it. I just knew it. And then the snowstorm. I said, well, there's the final nail in the coffin of this election. There you go. And um, I, I tell you, if the, if the Republicans just want to just keep sticking their, their foot in it, boy, they just know how to do it. They really know how to do it. Hey, and, uh, and also, they kept pushing that she was a warrior. Uh, this is New York. These are blue states. People don't like warriors, you know, and uh, that's not my opinion. That's the general opinion. I don't care if it's Nassau County or what. They kept pushing that she was, an, you know, a, a warrior. And right now with the anti-war climate, that was a mistake. Interesting, uh, Pamela. So you weren't surprised, it sounds like, in the least. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I really wasn't either. I mean, I think Swazi is a strong candidate. I think he would have uh, had a very good chance to win. Uh, and look, Swazi's been on this show. I, I like Swazi, and I think he's the kind of Democrat we need more of in this country, honestly. And I think his focus on the SALT deduction really resonates with people that feel like they're overtaxed. Also, um, the fact that he supported the so-called border bill, which even the Border uh, Patrol Union supported, I think that might have played a role in showing that he was serious about the border. But this is one of those things where even if you like Swazi, the question is, are you voting for Swazi or are you voting for the Democrats? Because by voting for Swazi, you're giving the Democrats another seat and you're making it more likely that they'll take over the House. So you might even be in a situation where – and this is the kind of the conflict between party and person. You might even be in a situation where you liked Swazi as county executive. You liked him as gubernatorial candidate, but you want the Republicans to save – to you know to, to hang on to the House. So maybe you vote as a little bit of a balance. So you vote for Pillip because she's the Republican nominee. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think she ever handled that question about um, why she's a registered Democrat well. I mean – I really I still don't know the answer. And I've paid pretty close attention to a lot of these interviews. Uh, Catherine is in New Jersey. Hi, Catherine. Kathleen. Kathleen, even better. What's on your mind? No, no, no. I was just listening to you. And I I just wanted to mention that a really good Carmelite uh, priest friend of mine for like 50 years uh, told me that uh, in the Carmelite church in Dublin, 
is the heart of St. Valentine. And in the medieval times, what they did was they just sold body parts. You're kidding. Well, no. I mean, I'm not surprised about the selling of the body parts. I am mildly surprised that his church, that his heart is on display in Dublin somewhere. Yeah, yeah, in in Dublin, yeah. So I just, when I was, you know, uh, doing my, taking off my, I like to call it my war paint, uh, getting ready for bed, and I was listening to you, and I thought, oh, you know, well, I I know this because Father Father Ashley told me, and a great Carmelite priest and um, mother from home with my mother in Ireland. And anyway, so you could do your research and find out that this is true. I that is a great idea, Kathleen. Thank you. I'm gonna. Uh, I've never been to Ireland. I I do want to oh, go. And my yeah, we're in the hotel business. There. My, oh yeah, really. My wife wants to go. So if we make it to Dublin, I'm going to see if we can find uh, Saint Valentine's heart. Yeah, well, yeah, we're in the castle business, so you probably want to go to the castles as long as you're in Ireland. So I'll be glad to put you up. Thank you. I appreciate that. I will definitely take you up on that, Kathleen. I appreciate the call and the education. All right. There you go. Thank you, Kathleen. Right, happy St. Valentine. And also, I would hope that you would mention the fact that most people who don't know say Valentine's with an M. Most people, well, no, I don't know. I feel like there's a good mix. You hear a lot of people saying Valentine's? Because they don't know any better. Right, okay. Well, we'll, we'll educate them. I think maybe we, uh, we just did. Thank you, Kathleen. All have, right, okay. Hey, what do, you, do you, what do you have planned today? Anything, anything romantic? Oh, of course. Well, of course. let we, us in on it. We go to, like, the best restaurant in New Jersey is in, in uh, 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 East Orange. And... Um, you know, it's just a really romantic place to go to. So oh, that's well, have fun. Have fun, Kathleen. Happy Valentine's Day. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Americans singing Caramia, another uh, John Gotti Jr. favorite on his birthday. A lot of lot of birthdays today, uh, including Mike Bloomberg. Happy birthday, Mike Bloomberg! Hey, uh, we were talking a little earlier about about stealing food from the refrigerator. Here's a story that ended very badly, and I hope my story ends up much better. A diabetic pest controller who stole a chocolate bar to boost his blood sugar. This is out of the UK. 
was rightly dismissed, a, a tribunal found. Jason Galloway secretly swiped the confectionery from a restaurant fridge and ate it when he sensed his sugar levels were running low while working on a job. Mr. Galloway, who has type 1 diabetes, was caught on CCTV, closed circuit TV, at the food outlet raiding the storeroom and was reported to his employer, Rent-A-Kill. Can we start with that, by the way? Rent-A-Kill, what a great name that is for an exterminator. I love it. Or as they call them in the UK, pest controllers. After he was suspended, Galloway ended up returning to the eatery with two chocolate bars to replace the one he took. Can we pause there? Look, give the guy a break. He didn't take the Clockman Diamond. Once once you're replacing it with two chocolate bars, give him a break. I mean, can't we, in the spirit of being nice to one another, give him a little bit of forgiveness? But his rent-to-kill bosses said theft is theft and sacked him for gross misconduct. Wow. I mean, this is way too extreme. I say this as a fellow food stealer. Galloway tried to sue the pest control company for disability discrimination and took them to an employment tribunal in Hull, arguing his sacking was unnecessarily harsh and that he resented being labeled a thief for suffering a hypoglycemic medical episode. However, he lost his case with the tribunal ruling he did nothing to reassure Rent-A-Kill that he would not do the same thing again. The tribunal heard uh, Mr. Galloway had managed his diabetes for around 30 years and had an implant which connected to his phone, allowing him to measure his blood glucose levels. He was required to inject insulin, and when levels dropped too low, he suffered a hypoglycemic episode known as hypos. A tribunal judgment read on April 3rd, 2023, at around 5 p.m., Mr. Galloway had been at a customer premises and had taken and eaten a chocolate bar from a fridge in the storeroom. I really do think this is excessive. I mean, I think it's also a little excessive on his part to sue, but, you know, maybe he needs this job to pay his bills, to feed his family. I mean, those chocolate bars, gotta, they got to get paid for somehow. The bar belonged to a member of staff. The outlet did not sell chocolate bars. Mr. Galloway then bought a meal of noodles from the outlet. He called line management to say he would not finish his calls that day, but he didn't mention the chocolate bar. So clearly, you know, he really was genuinely sick. He was having some sort of an episode. According to the tribunal's report, he did realize he had done something that needed to be put right that night. The outlet managed... Uh, management had reviewed closed-circuit TV footage and concluded he had stolen the bar and reported it to Rent-A-Kill as such. After Mr. Galloway was suspended, he visited the customer premises, taking with him two chocolate bars to replace that which he had taken, telling the customer's manager of his diabetes. The customer then notified Rent-A-Kill and offered apologies, effectively withdrawing the complaint. So the customer who had their chocolate bar stolen, he learned about the situation or she learned about the situation and said, no, 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 okay, we, we don't want any problems here. We understand mistakes happen. He replaced it with two chocolate bars. Fine. So during a meeting about the incident, Galloway shouted and claimed he was being persecuted. You know, that's the other thing. Is uh, Can we cool it with the persecution? Everybody thinks they're being persecuted. 
A Renekill manager told Mr. Galloway that theft is theft and that the company could not justify theft. Galloway had already been given two warnings for separate matters. Okay, so maybe there was a history here. It was heard at the tribunal. In his defense, Galloway claims he had a valid reason to steal, adding, I did not choose to have a hypo. It was okay because it was justified. He claimed the company wanted him out because of his diabetes and that there had been a witch hunt. So Jean Valjean, I think, went to prison for 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread. This poor guy, Mr. Galloway, loses his job for stealing a chocolate bar. I think that is really absurd. 800-848-9222. Was he wrong? Absolutely. Was it an emergency? Sounds like it. Does, did he make things right by replacing it with not one but two chocolate bars? You bet he did. Am I going to start doing the Andrew Cuomo thing of asking and answering my own questions? Why not? Best interviewer in the business. Been the best answerer. 800, what do you think? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Tony, you have a view on this situation? It was he wasn't doing he he did it for his health you know he he was a diabetic so he needed something to, to pull his sugar level up so it, it wasn't a million dollars for Christ's sakes it was just a candy bar yeah no big deal yeah right? no big deal Elias what about you Are you with the consensus on this one yeah I'm with Tony All yeah, right. why why make a big deal out of exactly it? exactly all right eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 if you care to comment on. This or uh, anything else we have covered this hour. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Ash Wednesday to everybody that is uh, that is celebrating either or both of those. Tony, do you get ashes? Are you an ashes guy? I haven't gotten an ashes in years since I was in Catholic school. So I probably do, do it because I live around a corner from a church. Oh, you will? Okay. All right. Well, so uh, we'll see. I'm trying to figure out, you know, because when you're nocturnal, you have a weird schedule, right? And you're not supposed to wash the ashes. So I'm thinking... You know, I could go get ashes in the morning right after the show, but then I'm I'm basically going to sleep, going right to sleep with ashes all over my face and getting it on the pillowcase. Or, you know, I could do it in the afternoon, right? But then I'm trying to figure out my showering schedule, my my biking schedule. So that's what I'll I'll probably I'll probably grab them because I gotta swing by my mom's. Um, and give her some flowers on behalf of, uh, you know, my my son. So I'll probably go there. Maybe we'll go and get ashes first and then go over there. Maybe that'll be the plan. 800-848-9222. Hey, you know, tomorrow, you know who's going to be here tomorrow? I got confirmation from him uh, yesterday. Bill O'Reilly. We're going to talk about this Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment. I have to tell you, I think this is just completely absurd. Because this is going nowhere, this is doing nothing, this is a giant waste of time. And Bill O'Reilly, I have a feeling maybe will set me straight on this. So we're going to get into that and a few other items. Thomas, listening on WCBM in Baltimore. Hello, Thomas. How you doing, Frank? I am I've been in break rooms where uh, you put food in the refrigerator. If it doesn't belong to you, whether it's labeled or not, you don't take it, it's not yours. So why would you take it? Well, you know, I, uh, the, the thing with a diabetic, uh, you carry uh, in your uh, carry candy bars or whatever, 
doesn't give you the right to take anybody else's food. I got it. I get it, Thomas. You're right. He did not do the right thing. But I I guess my question is, does the punishment fit the crime? Should he have lost his job for this? I'm I'm not talking about him losing his job. I'm talking about when you... uh, you know, if you take something in the refrigerator that doesn't belong to you, it's not yours. Yeah. So I, why take it? Yeah, well, first of all, so uh, in in the case of this man, Mr. Galloway, I think he legitimately did have a medical episode. Thank you, Thomas. You know, in my case, I am trying to do my best to enforce a company policy. The company policy, as posted in black and white on the refrigerator is, all food must be labeled with a name and date. And if it's not labeled with a name and date, it's out. It's out. So I'm essentially the enforcement mechanism here of these people that think, oh, I'll just store my food there in perpetuity. And honestly, I'm not joking here. I can't tell you how many times people have something, whatever, whether it's leftovers or whether it's lunch or something, a container of milk, and they just put it in the refrigerator don't label it, and then they just forget about it. And it just stays there forever. And then eventually, it not only takes up space in the refrigerator for those of us that want to put stuff there, but it starts to stink. So by not enforcing that labeling mechanism, the you know you're contributing to a moral hazard. So really, whoever wrote that note should really just be saying thank you to me. Because I'm doing us all a favor. I'm doing this for everybody. 800-848-9222. Gary is in Inwood. Hi, Gary. Good morning, Frank. Uh, point is as far as bumper music goes. A few minutes ago, you played uh, Caramia by Jay Black. Right. And I think that's the disservice as far as the power and the beauty of that song being used as bumper music. I think that's terrible. Why is it terrible? Why? Because... You, you have a few snippets of the power and the beauty of that song. And that song should only be played its, in its entirety. All right. Well, hey, I, um, you know. Look, it's only my opinion. Okay. I appreciate that, Gary. I mean, my view is, you know, a couple of seconds of a good song is better than none of a good song. But reasonable people can disagree, I suppose. 800-848-9222. Marianne is in the Queens. Hello, Marianne. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Uh, well, yes, yes, you're right. Um, listen, I want to comment on the elections. I believe that the, the, the Republican Party, as always, they put themselves at the defensive. Why they got rid of a person when they don't have another one to take its place? So I believe that the main reason why we have someone that is not a Republican is because they did not plan or use any strategy because what they did, they just got rid of a liar and put in its place an enemy. If you give me to choose between both, I will take the liar well, because I, everybody lies. Yeah, Marianne, I, I think a lot of Republicans feel the same way. You know, in fact, uh, a lot of Republicans that I spoke to said, look, you know, maybe Santos was a bad guy, but he was at least voting the way we wanted him to vote. Now you're going to have somebody there that, for the most part, is not going to vote um, that way. Look, I, and I understand that argument. 
I also think character counts for something, right? I um I I know both Swazi and Santos personally, and I got to tell you, on a personal level, I like them both. If I were voting for one of them, I would probably vote for Swazi, uh, because I, you know, I, for a variety of reasons. But I totally understand where people are coming from. Look, I don't want the Democrats to control both houses of Congress. I think balance is important. You should have a, you know, it'd be not not nice for any party to be in control of all the levers of government. You see what happens when that's the case. Things go a little too extreme. So this is one of those instances where it's party versus personality, right? I think a lot of this could have been avoided if the Republicans had picked a better candidate. Uh, Again, you know, there's no shortage of candidates available, and we'll see what they do in the fall. 800-848-9222. Derek listening in Nevada, where we're very, very pleased to be heard on Dawn and the Nevada Talk Radio Network. Hey, Derek. Hey, I love your show. I love your uh, station. It's awesome. I listen to travel all over the country, and I always uh, stream it. Really nice, Derek. Thank you. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, What's the difference between someone taking a candy bar to deal with their diabetic problem or someone going into a store and grabbing a fire extinguisher to put a car fire out? Well, I'll be honest. I think if you did that, if you if there was a car fire and you were to steal a fire extinguisher in order to put out the fire and potentially save some people from being injured or killed, I think that would be justified as well. Yeah, but a diabetic who's having a sugar crash is in the same situation. It's a fire. Uh, agree. Agree. I don't think he should have been fired. Yeah. I think it's perfectly justified, and especially because he made restitution. Exactly. I, I think this is a dramatic overreach. And, you know, I, I think he may have a point here, Derek, when he says they might have been out to get him. They might have had a reason that they wanted to fire him that had nothing to do with this. Yeah, that could be. Derek, thanks. 800-848-9222. Joaquin is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hello, Joaquin. You're going to cut me off. But anyway, uh, first of all, I got to thank Mr. Dominic Carter because uh, he actually remembered and uh, wished me the best for my recent affliction to actually could have killed me. I'm one of these guys that doesn't go to the hospital for nothing. Yeah. And my arm flew up like the elephant man. Ugh. Sorry to hear but that. Anyway, okay. no, no, but th- thank you, Mr. Dominic Carter, for that. I really appreciate that. And what I'm going to say is this. Uh, also, too, happy birthday, Mr. John Gotti Jr. I've met him twice. I interacted with him briefly, you know, as a, as a peon. Hey, uh, we I only have about a minute here, Joaquin. So uh, just okay, tell me right. what you want to talk you know about. What? Okay. All right. Valentine's Day. Did you take advantage of Mistress Day? No, I don't have a mistress. Ah, but you see, there you're wrong. You know what I did? I talked to my, I called my wife because we passed each other during the week, our work schedules. And I said to her, oh, hey, honey, your mistress day present is in the refrigerator. She goes, mistress? And she freaked out. You have a mistress? I said, yeah, my mistress is you. I got you this strawberry, chocolate-covered strawberry. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Joaquin, good for you. I'm glad your wife appreciated that. I, uh, I think a good sense of humor is very important. All right. We'll talk Valentine's Day and more with our advice to the Lovelorn panel. Your influence counts. Use it. 
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Day. Uh, Valentine's Day can be a lot of fun, particularly if you're single and dating. However, if you're single and just single, sometimes it can be very lonely. Uh, if you're in a long-term relationship, be it a marriage or something else, then it can sometimes be challenging to find out how to keep the spice in your relationship, to make sure it doesn't become a, you know, just a regular part of the routine. And one of the things that I've learned about um, doing this radio program late at night is there's a lot of folks that are listening to me because they're lonely right now. So I thought we would assemble a really interesting panel of women who I trust to give insight and advice on relationships. So we are assembling our first ever Valentine's Day Advice to the Lovelorn panel. So if you have questions about your love life or how it's going, don't worry if you don't because I have plenty, then you should give us a call at 1-800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. And I have a couple of women here who are really going to be aces at answering your questions. Let me first welcome Eileen Fisher, who's an old friend of mine. Uh, She is a star matchmaker with Elite Connections International. Uh, She's been a radio talk show hostess herself and uh, is a mom of two. Eileen, it's great to see you again. Hi, Frank. Thanks so much for having me. It's so nice to see you. I appreciate you trekking in uh, to the studio in the middle of the night. I know it's a challenge. (laughs) Believe me. I uh, also want to welcome another old friend of mine, a former relationship talk show host in the tri-state area and the host of the syndicated show and podcast, Passport Mommy. And just to give you an idea of how her career and life trajectory has progressed, her show used to be Passport Romance, now it's Passport Mommy, so you can uh, guess how her priorities may have shifted. My my friend Michelle Gerson. Michelle, I know you have an early morning with a couple of kids, so I appreciate you staying up late with us as well. Oh, it's my pleasure for no one else, Frank, except you. Believe me, uh, I, uh, I I certainly appreciate that. You know, it's interesting because both you, Michelle, and Eileen asked, "Can we do this an hour earlier?" <laughs> and and Dr. Judy Kuriansky, who uh, is uh. in Dubai right now and was going to join us, she wanted to join do it an hour earlier. <laughs> and then I said, "Can I possibly justify not at all mentioning the special election that took place that the whole country is talking?" 
talking about in the first hour, and then I came to the conclusion that as much as I love all three of you, uh, that I, I had to at least mention the election a little bit. So I apologize and I thank you for all of you for being uh, willing to s- spend a late night, except Dr. Judy, who who had a an, uh, something a conflict in Dubai. Now, um, Eileen, let me begin with you, uh, and then we'll take calls at eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Let's say someone's listening to us right now and they're they're like me. They're in a happy marriage. They're in a couple. They've been together for a while. Do they need to do anything today? No. 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 Okay. All right. That is the best answer uh, that I've gotten in a while. How come? I'm glad I came in now, right? Absolutely. Just for you. Um, because I always say that Valentine's Day isn't a day that you should feel you have to appreciate somebody or do something for somebody. I think uh, it's more special when you do it on a different day and not someone telling you, go get the flowers for $100. Go out for dinner where it's so much money. It's not worth it. Well, that's what my wife said. I asked, do you want to do something today? And she said, no, it's going to be – everywhere's going to be so crowded and so overpriced and we'll have to get a babysitter. Let, you know, we go out all the time anyway. Let, yeah. Let's skip it. Michelle, what do you think? Do you think uh, a couple that uh, is interested in keeping the romance in their relationship needs to do anything today on Valentine's Day? You know, it's funny. I used to give the same answer as Eileen, and now being married for a little over seven years, I do think you should do something, a little something. I mean, it could be minor. It could be bring in, take, you know, taking food, bring in food, or see, it's two in the morning, bring in food, or, you know, anything at all, just to spend time together and to show that you thought of your partner even a little bit. Okay, well, so uh, you think Michelle is a little off base necessarily? Yes, Yes, very much. I was married 25 years. Now I have a boyfriend who I'm with three years, and I absolutely think it's off base. And I also feel that Valentine's Day hurts many singles people. Well, we're going to – so let's talk about that, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of people feel lonely today. If they don't have a sweetheart today, they feel uh, somehow less than, right? Meanwhile, at some point, everybody's been single Mm -hmm. at some point. But uh, you see all the ads. You see all this stuff coming up on your social media feed. Oh, I'm so happy. This boyfriend, this husband's the greatest person in the world. And you feel very left out. Um, Michelle, what advice? And look, you used to give uh, advice on relationship issues on the radio, you know, every night. Uh, but what advice do you give to someone that's feeling lonely because it's Valentine's Day and they don't have someone to share it with? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I had this conversation last year with a good friend of mine, and I said to him, "I said, look, it's twenty-four hours. I said, not even by the time you wake up. I said, go about your day. Don't even think about it. Or if you do, just do something for yourself. Go work out. Go to a show. Go." go to the spa, you know, if you're, whatever you like, or just don't even think about it at all. And it'll be over before you even realize it. And it's no big deal because I would rather be lonely single than in a marriage. That's not a good one. Mm. And lonely on mm. Valentine's Day. Yeah. I mean, that's true. A lot of times when you're in a, a relationship, that's not going well, Eileen, you feel an obligation to do something for Valentine's Day, even though your heart may not even be in it. Correct. What advice do you have for people that might be feeling lonely today? Um, That I do agree with what Michelle was saying and the exact advice I would do. But, you know, it's a day, like she was saying. Um, I think the people that like celebrating it are people like my daughter, who's 20, who has her first real boyfriend. Um, It's more about a reason to do something. But uh, it's a day. And I tell everyone, you know, that's why they started Friendsgiving and I'm sorry, Valentine's for friends and stuff. But the day goes by quickly. 
Michelle, um, we do have a, a large audience of you know older people that are tuned into us, and I love the uh, old seasoned citizens in our audience. They're great, but a lot mm-hmm. of people may find themselves either newly divorced at a time when you know their age group is not necessarily the most popular one on uh, on Tinder or Plenty of Fish or whatever the dating app du jour is, or a lot of people unfortunately may have found themselves with a spouse who's who's passed on. Do you have any advice for older singles who are finding themselves in the dating market for the first time in a while? Yes. Well, it's funny you said that about the Tinders and all of the apps, because I know a few people um, who are in their 70s or 80s, and they are back on the dating scene and in a relationship quicker than I have ever rebounded from a relationship whether they lost a significant other or they went through a divorce later in life. So I do think they should set up a profile on Match or or J-Date, depending on what you're into. Um, You know, I I do think that it can be very helpful. Or if not that, then go volunteer. Go to the local food pantry Mm. or go do something that's of interest. And just meet people. Eileen, obviously, I know you're a matchmaker and this is what you do all the yes. time. If someone is a bit older and they're in the dating market for the first time in a while, is the, the advice that you give for them on how to find a partner any different from advice that you'd give a younger Extremely person? Extremely different. Um, it's one of my favorite things I talk about for years being on radio and, and, uh, and I just spoke about it last week on TV. Um, it's very hard for older people. It's not easy for them to get on an app. Um, they don't understand how to the tinders, the bumbles. They don't know how to do the profile. So then they hire people and sometimes they get ripped off. The other thing is that there are many people that get catfished. There are many, the older people have the hardest time mm. finding it because of, you know, the generations, the phones and how to do it. Um, so a lot of times it's very funny. That's my, that's my big. I, I have an 80-year-old client right now. It's the hope of love again. Um, but I don't think they're sad on Valentine's Day. I think they're just sad being alone because nobody really wants to be alone. And I think that we all, at our age, when you're 20-something, you look very different than when you're 70-something. So that's the first thing I tell everyone is accept your age, accept who you are. And if you can't afford me as a matchmaker at Elite Connections, then get help. To work the app because it's very sad stories out there. What yeah. happens? No, that that's for sure. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eileen Fisher is here. Michelle Gerson is here, uh, and we want to answer your questions. Joe is in the Queens. Joe, happy Valentine's Day. Joe, we got you. Actually, Frank, you had two questions. Sure. One is uh, I notice how people jump to conclusion. I say about other people. I say what I did in the past. I would be with, say, a woman hanging out, and I thought she wasn't that dynamic. Uh, but then again, maybe she sat in, a, in an office all week and just, you know, wasn't quickly adjusted to being, you know, a little bit more exciting. Or, like, so that was, I thought, me jumping to conclusions. Another mistake I think I made was if I heard mention of a boyfriend. I would just forget about it completely. Where sometimes a boyfriend is a vague concept. So that's my first question. My second question. Well, just so I'm is, clear on the question, Joe. So basically, yeah, the, the question is just how people jump to conclusions without seeing 
the person in another context. Say the person might be a great athlete, but you're not going to know about that if they're sitting on a train when you're meeting them and wearing glasses. Yeah, so that's, that's my first question. Yeah, and my uh, second. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I want to get in my second. My second question is, uh, there was somebody I know, the, the good couple, uh, he just discharged three weeks ago. He said, I want to find uh, myself in, you know, no arguments or anything like that. So it was pretty abrupt for her. Uh, but we were talking to her, and we were saying, uh, one person was saying in this group of people that, she might be better off going around town by herself to meet new people rather than with girlfriends, uh, that she'd have a better chance of, like, you know, uh, talking with new people as a woman just doing things by herself rather than going around with girlfriends. Oh, that's what interesting. Th- that? Those are both good questions. Michelle, let me begin with you. Take e- either of mm-hmm. those in whatever order you would like. Okay, so I wasn't sure if I got the first question exactly. So was the first question that maybe you shouldn't jump to conclusions so quickly about somebody? Uh, Exactly. I just think people are, especially like, say, a coffee shop dating things that they used to have in the city, people just seem to globalize something you say, like, right away, you know, like uh, really just like making it more than it is. Right. Yeah, I definitely think you should always do a second date. If you go out once, I don't think you should write somebody off right away. You never know. You know and I don't think you should be too particular either. I feel like, you know, some of us have these really long laundry lists of things that we must have in a partner. And then when it really comes down to it, you have to think, what's really important? Good communication. You connect. They're your best friend. You enjoy talking to them. So I think people do need to give others uh, more of a chance when first meeting them. And uh, what about his other question that sometimes uh, yeah. women in particular might have a better time meeting uh, meeting a man if they or or even another woman I guess if uh, they go out by themselves rather than with other girlfriends. I do agree with that because I do think sometimes guys might feel like they shouldn't break into the group of women if they look like they're having their, you know, girls night out and I also think that women may not be so into going up to other people and meeting other people if they do have their girlfriends around them. So I used to do that all the time. I'd go out by myself. Eileen, what about you? Where do you come down on the issue of uh, a woman looking to meet someone going out by themselves? I think it's a great idea. I think you just have to go somewhere where you're comfortable and feel like you can be yourself. Uh, all right, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. James is in Maryland. James, you're here with uh, Eileen Fisher and Michelle Gerson. What's your question? Yes, my question is I, I've been married for 18 years. I have five children with this woman. I'm in love with her still. But she's telling me on Valentine's Day, you know, it's like you you do things throughout the year. You don't have to do nothing special on Valentine's Day. But I I just feel like it shouldn't be just another day. I feel like I need to do something. So you want an idea of something to do today? Yes. I'm just looking for, you know, advice because, you know, 18 years of trying to come up with something new or something different. And it's like... I, yeah, I love this question 50s. because I can really empathize uh, with you not having five children or an 18-year marriage. Uh, Eileen, what do you think? Yeah, I'm shaking my head with that because I love what you said. So let me give you a, 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 like a simple idea, and maybe Frank can work on this for his wife. I got my boyfriend. Uh, he's obsessed with some hair gel, and he won't buy because it's expensive. I got him that. 
Get something for wow. your wife that is more something you heard her talk about. So she knows you're listening to her, her needs and wants um, mm-hmm. more than getting flowers. Think of something that you know she is missing, a body lotion, as something something as stupid as something in the kitchen, just something you hear her complaining about that she wishes she had. Uh, Michelle, anything okay. you want to add there? Yeah, I would say depending on the age of the children, they may be older, but I would say somebody with younger children, just give her a weekend away to herself. Mm. Give her some mm-hmm. alone time. Yeah, that's... Yeah, the kids range from like 5 to 18 years old, so it's like... Yeah, I get you. Give her a weekend away so she, you know, not dealing with all the stress from that. And uh, James, one yes. thing I, I would suggest, one thing my wife got me a few years ago was, um, I think it might have even been before we were married, but uh, it's, it was such a thoughtful gift, and I still uh, look at it all the time. It was a book, and it's available online. You can get it. It's called uh, 642 Things About You That I Love, and it's basically a writing prompt journal for one person to write about certain things about uh, their relationship, either memories or certain characteristics that they wow. like about the other person. And uh, you could... I could tell that by filling this whole book out that my wife really put so much thought and time into this that it really, one, I got a big kick out of reading the things that she wrote, but the fact that she put so much time into it really meant uh, a great deal. So I, I, if you've not done something like that, I would say think about, uh, it doesn't have to be that specific book. There are other ones like it, but something that shows uh, that you put some thought into, um, you know, into your relationship uh, together. That's uh, I, it was a good one for me. I think, James. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Michelle, I'm sure you've heard that uh, all this over the years that there's this anti Valentine's Day movement that is growing, and you know, th- they say the anti Valentine's Day movement is gaining strength. That's what the Washington Post. Says, and they say that uh, a lot of times that the uh, the card and carnation campaigns that uh, uh, can decimate people's self esteem. We were talking about that earlier, and there is a big movement afoot to go anti Valentine's Day. What do you make of that? Uh, Not only people that don't want to observe Valentine's Day, but people that are gung ho about being anti Valentine's Day. (laughs) I think just leave it alone. You know what? If you want to celebrate it, celebrate it. If you don't, don't. I don't think we need to make a big thing of it. I think it is nice. You know, I do agree that we should not put all of our eggs in one basket for one day. But you know what? We get so busy in our lives that, you know what? To have one day to just stop, take a deep breath, and appreciate your partner, why get rid of that? No yeah. big deal. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree. Eileen, um, the what about you? I mean, this is uh, in the Washington Post. The headline says the anti-Valentine's Day movement is gaining strength. And it says, let's be honest, Valentine's Day has more potential to hurt, harm, terrorize, and traumatize people than anything Halloween serves up. Isn't that a little excessive? It's excessive. <laughs> I agree with Michelle on this. It's a day. And you know what? What are we going to do? We're going to take every holiday Life is so 
unpredictable now and everything going on in the world. We need something nice, and why take it away? All right. Uh, since you ladies are already up, you got to stick around a few more minutes because a lot of people have questions for you. I have a lot of questions for you, and we have two open phone lines if people have further questions. 800-848-9222. Eileen Fisher is here, one of the best matchmakers in America. She's with Elite Connections International. Michelle Gerson is here, one of the best radio talk show hostesses, not hosting this radio program on a daily basis. Uh, you could check out her syndicated show and pa- and uh, podcast, Passport Mommy. You can find that at wabcradio.com, or you can just go to uh, her website, passportmommy.com. There's some really interesting content on there, even beyond the romantic. A lot of great stuff having to do with parenting and other things. We're going to continue with your questions, your calls, 800-848-9222, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. After the hour, this is The Other Side of Midnight, Valentine's Day edition. We are doing Advice to the Lovelorn. If you have questions, give us a call, 800-848-9222. That is Bill Withers, and uh, that is the personal anthem of uh, Eileen Fisher, matchmaker with Elite Connections International, and uh, somebody that's been a radio talk show host herself. Michelle Gerson is here as well. She's the host of the syndicated show Passport Mommy. You know, Eileen, uh, we were just talking a little bit. Uh, during the break about who seeks matchmakers these days. In general, do men tend to seek matchmakers more or do women? And what are they looking for? Um, You know, it's funny. I used to only take male clients. Now I have mostly all women. And my friends that are matchmakers have a lot of women now. And I go from the ages of 29 to 80. Um, And people are looking for... You know, they're tired of the apps. We need the apps, obviously. Everyone can't afford me. But um, everyone's tired of it. And everybody wants honesty. And um, people are just sick of wasting time. Michelle, what is your view of those uh, those apps and things of that nature? I never met anybody on the, on those apps, but I think I'm the exception because everywhere I go, people use these apps all the time to find uh, husbands and wives or just somebody to spend the weekend with. It varies uh, whether you're looking for something like a casual hookup or a, a lifelong partner. W- what's your experience with them? 
So I, before I was married, I used them a lot. And I used the traditional, you know, websites. And then when the app started, I used those. And honestly, I would use them to fall asleep at night. I would just swipe, swipe until I fell asleep. <laughs> but I did meet some really good people. And I used to date a lot. And I used to go out a lot from the people that I met on them. But my serious relationships that I had, I don't think I've met any of them on the apps. I think they were all in-person meetings. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. 800-848-9222. Michael is in New Jersey. What's your question, Michael? Hi. It's not really a question, but um, I'm married 44 years. I'm madly in love with my wife. And I picked out four songs that we really loved. And um, I put them on my phone through YouTube. And I'm going to play them for my wife. All right. Well, that's very nice. I think that's a pretty thoughtful uh, gift, yep. isn't there, very, Eileen? Very, very nice. Very. All right. 800-848-9222. Hannah is in the Bronx. What's your question, Hannah? Hi, Frank. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. You too. You, you and your family. Appreciate it. you guys it. too. I mean, Michelle. I have a question, okay? Um, you know, I, as you know, Frank, I, I love cats, and I have cats in my house. And I was in um, the temporary relationship with this person. But he still calls me. But I have he never comes to my house. He came once and he met my cat. And he did not like my cat. Um and it's not that he, he keeps giving me excuses like he's allergic to cats. He's not allergic to cats. He just don't like them. So I don't know how to deal with this, you know? So, um, Michelle, let me begin with you. What What would you tell Hannah if there's this fella that she she likes that doesn't like her cats? Well, I do have to say that I was in a long term relationship with somebody who had two cats. I'm very allergic to cats, and I tried everything. I tried the allergy shots, and I would wheeze every time I was over there. And he tried to lock the cats out of the bedroom, and the cats wouldn't have it, and they rebelled. And I just say, you know, this particular guy, either he really is allergic, and he just knows he can't be in your house. Or he's kind of just using it as an excuse, and I say move on. Uh, Eileen, what would you tell her? That the same as Michelle. So, uh, what do you make of that, Hannah? I, I'm sorry, he's not allergic because honestly, um, okay. Um, so our second date, we went and we saw um, we went to Centon Animal Shelter because I told him that I volunteered there. So I went to the shelter with him, and he pet other cats. He just don't like my cat. So, but he said he's really into me. I like him a lot too. But um, I just um, before you answer this, um, I just want to say, as much as we you know celebrate Valentine's Day with humans, I wish we could celebrate Valentine's Day with animals because they're so giving unconditional. Well, I mean, what's stopping you? Go ahead and you could do, certainly yeah. do something with uh, with I animals. Just wanna, yeah, I just want to honor uh, this Valentine's Day to all the animals that's in the shelters as well as also animals that didn't put down, as well as my animals who just died recently. Um, I lost five of them. Well, yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that, Hannah. Yeah. You know, my uncle was in a similar position to you, and yeah. he got he got involved with this woman who said she was allergic to his cats, and I don't think she was allergic. But you know, he would be, he had been so lonely for so long romantically that he chose to uh, get rid of the cats and keep the girl. So I guess you're going to have to evaluate, you know, which is more important to you in in the short term. Uh, you know, you, the cats I think um, would win out probably in 
in my book. Thanks, Hannah. 800-848-9222. You know, while, while we're on the subject of relationship breakers, let me ask you both about this. Uh, one of the things, and I think it's more so in the last six or seven years than maybe ever, one of the things that seems to really drive people apart is politics. People have very passionate views about politics, whatever they are, love Donald Trump, hate Donald Trump, whatever the case may be. And I have heard from so many people that say they will not even consider going out with someone who has opposing politics. And I really think that is so short-sighted. I'm curious, uh, Eileen, what what do you make of that? Do you hear that from people? Oh, my God, yes. And you actually answered what I said because um, I have people right now, you have to be for Trump, not for Trump. Life changes. I mean, in a few years, who knows what happens? And you could be passing on your the love of your life. And in in life, you have to have communication and you have to have um, an opposing side to something. And it gives you a good topic to talk about. But to walk away, I'm sorry. That's just another excuse not to be happy with someone. Michelle, what do you think? You know, I don't think this was a topic until the Trump administration. And I do think that there's more tied to both sides than just black and white politics. I think more comes down to morals and what people are attaching to different viewpoints. And so I do see where people are coming from. Um, And I think a bigger issue, not necessarily with your partner, but also what about the in-laws? Because I know people who have in-laws who are just completely opposite. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, So uh, would you suggest to somebody if they said to you they won't date a Democrat or won't date a Republican that they reconsider that or you recognize that that's kind of where we are now? Yeah, I recognize where we are. And you know what? If that's their viewpoint, if I don't agree with it, then they're probably not for me because maybe I'm not strong politically either way or maybe I am. And you know what? I respect that. Yeah. You know, I think of my cousin Andrea and she is uh, I don't even she's Democrat. I don't know uh, you know what the labels mean anymore. Liberal, progressive, whatever. But she she always said before she was dating her current boyfriend that she would not date someone that voted for Trump because she wanted someone to scream at the television set with based on whatever was in the news. Now, the boyfriend that she has now and I think they live together. They, you know, are total opposite in terms of politics. He voted for Trump and she he obviously did not. And I just think if she had stuck with her, you know, parameters of not, you know, wanting to date someone that had opposite politics, she would have missed out on meeting this great guy. And I think of all the other people out there that are missing out on all sorts of opportunities because they're limiting themselves in politics. Right. The difference with me is that, unfortunately, when you're paying a matchmaker, Right, you got to do what I they don't say. have a choice. Sure, I get it, and I try. But um, what you're saying is very true. So what I was saying at the beginning, you can miss out on someone great, um, but you're allowed to have two sides of things sure. in life. Absolutely, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Keith, listening in Florida. Hi, Keith. Hey, good evening, Frank. First of all, I want to say hey, thanks for a great show every evening. I listen to you uh, for a long time. A uh, former New Yorker, grew up in Long Island. Well, that's but nice of you. Thank say, you, Keith. Appreciate it. One of the reasons one of the reasons I did call Eileen, yes. uh, my wife and I, are a success story. From J Date, we're together twenty five years. Um, Wonderful. Combinate, and I, actually, I'm my wife's third husband, and uh, we've been together for a long time. And just a funny story. And on any giving Thanksgiving, when our kids were younger, 
We used to have three ex-spouses at our house for Thanksgiving. It made it a lot easier for them uh, not to travel. Uh, it's, it was always an interesting situation. With wait, wait you you would have our, you would have three. Oh, you would have two of your ex-spouses and one of hers all at the same holiday. No, the other way around. It, w- it was two of hers and one of mine. My uh, goodness, this is my second marriage. I'm Lori's third, but it's been great. We now have five grandchildren together. I'm seven. I just turned seventy-two. Uh, we play a lot of pickleball together, still have our businesses. I still have a company, and so does my wife. And I just wanted to bring that to attention, that J-Date was successful. It was in, in its infamacy uh, 25 years ago uh, when we met and when you put the proof profiles together. They worked, but uh, we were successful with, with, the, with the app. Thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for sharing that, Keith. Hey, Michelle, a couple of things that he yes. raises. One, if somebody, if you're a woman that's looking to meet someone, say a serious long-term partner, and a fella tells you that he's been married and divorced twice, is that mm-hmm. anything of a red flag? That's question one. And then question two is, how do you feel if a guy tells you that he still maintains cordial relations with his exes? I I have that. I'm sorry, Michelle. Go, yeah, well, um, go sorry about that, Michelle. Um, I I am divorced, and my ex husband lives across the street. We still uh, share a home in Connecticut um, together. Um, his my boyfriend uh, helps him with. We have cars together. Um, he borrows my car. Um, his girlfriend, well, they just broke up at my son's basketball game. I saved them spots. Um, the truth of the whole thing is my friends used to say to me, Eileen, oh my God, you guys are crazy. Actually, we're not crazy. We did it. We made it great for my kids to see that we can have a healthy relationship and we all get along. We did it. Well, I'm wondering how your, uh, you know, other prospective romantic partners would be would feel about that. You know, he's fine. But, he, I mean, you know, I make sh- I tell him that he has to have a. I, I've made sure that his relationship with his ex wife is even better. But my he knows how important it is to me for children, and everyone around us sees it. When my ex my ex husband is in the same room as my boyfriend, they talk, they shake hands. Well, no, I think, you know, being cordial is one thing and then being friendly, like sharing holidays together. That's a little it, bit different. It, well, you know what it is, Frank, because you're not divorced. Um, let me speak to some on this and respect that man very much. You don't no, understand it's how to, it is yeah. when you have children to not be with them for a holiday. And the fact of having everyone together, it's a blessing. No, that, well, that's I think that's yeah, I give that man kudos, M- Michelle. But w- let's yeah, say yeah. he comes up on the app and he's uh, mm-hmm. and he, you guys connect. You you like one another's photographs. He has a he meets all the checks all the right boxes, and then you see that he's divorced twice. Does that give you pause? You know, it's interesting because if you would have asked me this ten years ago, I would have said absolutely red flag. But you know what? I had um, an uncle was the dearest man that I've known and he was on his third marriage and they were together for a very long time and I've known other situations so I don't think you can judge you don't know why and sometimes you have to give people credit for getting out of a bad marriage as opposed to staying in it especially if you have kids and so I don't fault somebody for being divorced and I also have been in the situation where my husband's family, they, his parents divorced later in life. And whenever we get together for the holidays, everybody's together. And I always thought, you know, is it awkward? Is it awkward for his mother? Some of the comments that the new girlfriend makes. And, you know, I could see some looks, but they're all very cordial and they all just make it work. 
Well, that's wonderful. That's great. See, if if uh, I don't have an ex-wife, but if any of my ex-girlfriends were hanging around with my wife, I'd be terrified they were talking about me and exchanging <laughs> stories of my <laughs> misdeeds and pleasantries and, and unpleasantries. Bob is in Pennsylvania. What's your question, Bob? Bob, uh, I'm, I, I'm trying to get to a better line. I'm, I'm having a difficult time hearing you. Viviana is in Brooklyn. What's your question, Viviana? Hi. It was more of a, a life story, um, a dedication. My husband, Jose, and I have made it through 45 years, thank God, of life challenges, joys, sorrows, and uh, laughter in this life. And we choose to celebrate Valentine's Day to honor each other and to appreciate each other. And uh, it's funny that one of your callers had said, I, you know, picked a few songs because I had said I wanted to dedicate a song to my husband, Jose, like, you are the sunshine of my life. I'll always love you. And what, excuse me, I'm sorry. No, Did no. you want to say something? No, great? well, I mean, it sounds like you're doing great. I mean, I, I uh, definitely, I, I think there are a lot of people out there that would like to have a relationship uh, like yours, Viviana, and those are the folks that I've recruited Eileen and uh, Michelle to try and help. But uh, it looks like you're the, you know, you're the, you're the aspirational relationship. I hope you have another 45 years. We're going to try to connect again with Bob in Pennsylvania. What's your question, Bob? Uh, I'd like to know where to go to meet women of uh, 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 good, good intelligence, smart, and and sharp women. What, where, where would you library or this place or that place? That, or? that is a wonderful question, Bob. And I happen to be with two very intelligent women uh, right now, uh, Michelle. Let me begin with you. Where 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 does Bob go to meet intelligent women? <laughs> I would say just go places where you enjoy being, things that you find interesting, and then you would connect and be able to have interesting intellectual conversations with them about wherever you are. Eileen, what about you? What do you think? I agree with Michelle. All right. Well, so what are are the places you like to hang out at, Bob? Where are you going? Well, here's the things I'm into. I have a a background. Uh, I own the bar, and I was in movies in North Carolina. Super Mario was one. Um, that I was a Capelli bodyguard with my twin brother. Um, I hung out with my twin brother most of my life. We were in the Boy Scouts, Sea Scouts, the Army, everything. Even in Italy, I was a custodian for nuclear warheads in wow. uh, in Italy. And uh, me and my brother were stationed together, and he got drafted after me. I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, then Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And two months later, he got drafted. He pushed his draft up in Brooklyn. And um, so here he comes. And they thought I got recycled. They said, "Bob Edwards, you didn't get you didn't get recycled. You you got a hundred on the test." No, 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 no. That, it's not me. That, that's my brother. Oh yeah, sure. They were telling them. <laughs> so we went on and on. Now, I invented a few things in my life, and one simple was the round hot dog. You only need one bun for a barbecue. It don't roll off the grill. You make it like a hamburger patty. So then after the barbecue, you know, you run out of hot, you get extra hot dog buns so, and run run out of hot dogs. So in terms of what places you, you hang out at, you hang out at butcher shops, I guess, and hot dog conventions. No, no. I, in Italy, I hung out at a, a place where this, this girl I knew, was a good friend of mine, ended up marrying Principe Rezi Ali Khan, the great-great-grandson of Ali Khan. But uh, Bianca, her name was. 
Anyway, her sister sent me a thing that she's getting married and who to this guy. Bob, is there any way you can make the story a little bit more detailed? I feel like you're leaving out a lot of detail here that we could use. Well, well, when when I would when I would have the bar and close at four o'clock in the morning, there was women that came in and I I was the main man there. And I would tell people when they came in and the women needed somebody to guide people and things because you've got all kinds of people coming in bars. Those women need guidance. Go to a bar where it's run right and there's a guy there that can control things. And that way, like I tell them, don't sit near them to women. They want to be alone or stop talking like that to them women or stop talking like that next to them women. That's not the kind of talk that goes on here. Bob, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, there are intelligent women everywhere lighting up our phones trying to get in touch with you. So uh, we will will connect them (laughs) with you uh, because, uh, I mean, how could any woman resist? That's that's really something. To be in Super Mario Brothers, I mean, that's that's really, really something. Anything you want to add there, uh, Eileen? I... Think that round hot dog was very interesting. <laughs> that was impressive. That was impressive. I mean, that's a great first date thing to mention, isn't it, Michelle? That reminds me of me sitting at a sushi restaurant just eating wasabi without realizing it as one of my dates was just going on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, I have kept the two of you up late enough. I greatly appreciate both of you uh, being willing to uh, spend Valentine's Day with us. If people want to get in touch with uh, Michelle Gerson, they can go to PassportMommy.com. And uh, Michelle, we didn't really didn't chat much about that. What is Passport Mommy if people are interested in learning more? Sure. Thanks. So it's a radio show. It's a syndicated show and we cover everything from travel, health and wellness, finance. It's basically a magazine style show. It started as all travel and then kind of expanded from there. And uh, I just, you know, like you said, I used to host a relationship talk show and then kind of transitioned into this. Uh, PassportMommy.com. And uh, Eileen, if people want to get in touch with you, they can find you on Instagram at HeartMatchMe, right? Spelled mm-hmm. out, conventional. Yep. Yep. Or they can, if they're looking for a matchmaker, they can get you get in touch with you through Elite Connections International, right? Yep. It's great to see you uh, both. Hopefully we can do this again soon. We'll, we'll do what we can to get you a better hour next time. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you. All right. If you want to comment on uh, any portion of our Valentine's Day panel, you can certainly do so. 800 I just got an SMS text message from a friend of mine saying, I am astonished that Bob is single. That makes two of us. That makes two of us. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Wise men say only fools rush in, but I can't. Would it be a 
The great Elvis Presley. I can't think of a more apropos song on Valentine's Day than this one. This is uh, just a classic. All right. Um, a lot to get to, uh, and I appreciate letting me take the uh, diversion into the world of uh, love and romance because I think it was I think it's pretty interesting. I think people have a lot of questions, but how can you top somebody like Bob? All right, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. I saw this story that is just fascinating. You remember Chernobyl, the nuclear disaster at Chernobyl? Well, wolves in Chernobyl's radiation zone appear to have developed a resistance to cancer after being exposed to high levels of radiation in the wake of the nuclear disaster 35 years ago. This is according to a study. Who else would the study be done by on Valentine's Day then? Kara Love. Thank you very much. Kara Love is an evolutionary biologist and an ecotoxicologist at Princeton. And she found that the wolves in the Chernobyl exclusion zone, CEZ, have altered immune systems similar to cancer patients undergoing radiation therapy. So about 10 years ago, Love and her colleagues put collars on, uh, they put collars equipped with radiation dosimeters on wolves in the area and took blood samples to understand the animal's response to being exposed to upwards of 11.28 millirem of radiation per day. That is six times the legal safety limit of radiation for humans. The research could help to identify protective mutations that could increase the odds of surviving cancer. I mean, this is incredible. Obviously, what happened at uh, Chernobyl is just horrible. But, you know, Chernobyl is known for this brutal environmental disaster following the 1986 explosion and the fire at the Ukraine power plant that sent radioactive fallout spewing into the atmosphere. 30 workers were killed in the immediate aftermath while the long-term death toll from radiation poisoning was estimated to be in the num to number in the thousands. So now four decades, almost four decades, after this accident, there's a range of wildlife populating the region, including bears, wolves, dogs, and you know, all sorts of other things. Before Russia invaded Ukraine in twenty twenty two, scientists and researchers had begun to study the adaptations that wildlife had undergone through living in the highly radioactive Area. Scientists have said that the research could have wide applications, providing all sorts of insight about how animals and humans can live now and in the future. But uh, this news about these cancer wolves, I think, is incredibly positive and very interesting. 800 848 if you want to comment. 800-848-9222. So, George Santos was on this program on Monday, and now that we know the results of the election for his seat, which uh, which Swazi won, I think uh, might go might do as well to go back and look at what George Santos's prediction was 
for how this race would turn out. David Patterson left himself some wiggle room, but he basically said that he thought Swazi had an edge. Here's what George Santos said when we spoke right after the Super Bowl on Monday. If you want representation, you have two choices. You have Tom Swazi, which you rejected in the past, and you voted for me to come in, or you can vote for Mozzie Pillip and give her a shot, and hopefully she'll re-register as a Republican, and she'll prove me wrong. So it actually is not included in the clip there. Not sure why. But Santos predicted that Pillip would not only win, but he predicted that Pillip would win by a pretty wide margin. And looks like George Santos was incorrect. Uh, here is a little bit of uh, Mozzie Pillip after the results were, were known last night. We are the fighters. Yes, we lost, but it doesn't mean we're going to end here. I did. Amen. I did call my opponent. I congratulated him. So there we have it. Um, and we'll see what happens next. All right. 800-848-9222. We're going to go through the your mail correspondence next hour. If you have uh, an email message you would like read on the air, you can send it to me at frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. And if you're not in the Facebook group, uh, the Facebook group is meant to be a place for people to comment on what we're doing on the show. We also post all the songs that we play there each and every morning. So you can just uh, go on Facebook and search Morano, that's M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters, and you can uh, get a, you can participate in the conversation about what we're doing on this show. If you say, I love this guest, I hate that guest, here's why Frank is wrong about this, or I can't believe Frank said this about that, whatever the case may be, you're absolutely welcome to participate in the Facebook group. Just search Morano, M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters. And we're even on Twitter. I still call it Twitter, even though I know it's technically X, at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. And uh, we may even read some of your, your tweets as well as the, uh, as, the e- as the morning unfolds. Oh, and there is a really interesting story uh, coming out of the Super Bowl that we didn't touch upon that I had no idea was a story. There is one key group that is absolutely incensed at something that happened at the Super Bowl. I will admit I never thought about this, and it's the last thing I would have ever considered. But now that it's been brought to my attention, I kind of understand where people are uh, are coming from on this. All right. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment, you can certainly do so. Uh, or just email me and we'll read your email on air. Frank.Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano.
everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. I think we all know who Marley Matlin is. Uh, I would say, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb here by saying this, Marlene Matlin is probably the most famous deaf actress in America. Maybe of all time, but certainly the most famous living deaf actress. She's won multiple, she's been nominated for multiple Academy Awards. She has won a couple. She's really, she was the first deaf actress ever to win an Academy Award for a great film called Children of a Lesser God. Just in the last year or two, she was terrific in a wonderful picture called Coda, which I thought was just wonderful. And that's why it was a wonderful picture. And she also played, if memory serves, the deaf ball girl on Seinfeld, who was an interpreter and was in a very, very funny episode of Seinfeld. She's an incredibly recognizable spokesperson for deaf people. And, oh, and she was great in a whole story arc on West Wing as a hotshot political consultant. She's a wonderful actress. And when I say she's a wonderful actress, she's not a wonderful deaf actress. She's a wonderful actress who also happens to be deaf. Well, she is not at all happy about what went on at the Super Bowl, and it has nothing to do with the 49ers coming up short. Well, here's what happened. And I have to tell you, had I not seen news coverage of this, I would have known nothing about it. And this is just me not being attuned to these kind of things, which is why I'm bringing it to your attention, because if you're fortunate enough to have your hearing, maybe you didn't notice this either. The pregame show at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas featured performances from Andra Day, Post Malone, and Reba McIntyre. For each of those performances, there was a sign language interpreter. Daniel Durant performed the national anthem in ASL. That's the, you know, sign language. Reba McIntyre, with Reba McIntyre. While... Uh, Angel Panero signed Post Malone's America the Beautiful, and Shaheem Sanchez worked with Andra Day for her rendition of Lift Every Voice and Sing and performed a- the ASL halftime show. Now, I think it's great that there were, uh, you know, deaf, there were sign language interpreters there. Wonderful. And it was a wonderful thing that these performers were able to be part of the event. However, according to Marley Matlin, CBS did not show the deaf performers once on television. This is what she posted on Twitter. I am absolutely shocked CBS uh, for introducing the deaf performers at today's pregame Super Bowl and then not showing even one second or more of their performance, as has been the tradition for the last 30 years. Representatives for CBS did not immediately respond to requests for comment as of yesterday. And on social media, once she posted this, it lit up a firestorm. One person responds, wholeheartedly agree. CBS, you have the technology, use it to uphold your company values as an inclusive organization, or is that just on paper? Because how hard is it to present the ASL interpreters on screen? Another person writes, I think it was absolutely ridiculous to introduce and not show the performers. Yeah, so I think that is strange 
they introduce these sign language interpreters, these sign language performers. They have, I think, their picture up there and their name, and then they don't show them once during the performer. Now, usually, and I've seen this for debates and things of that nature, they'll have, they'll do like a picture-in-picture kind of thing where they'll have the ASL performer in the side of the, you know, in the corner of the screen signing while the main performance is going on. That's not what took place here. Now, I've heard from some people who have hearing that at times they find the sign language interpreter a little distracting. And I'm not talking about distracting for the Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm reasons. Uh, They find it distracting because, you know, it, it takes away something from the performance. But I don't see what, and I don't feel that way, but I've heard others say that. I don't see why they couldn't provide a quick glimpse of the sign language performer. Even if you didn't want to have them in the picture in picture the whole time for all three of those songs, what would the harm be of having them up there just a little bit? Now, I try to play devil's advocate and see all sides of this. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they think everybody that's watching the game that is hearing impaired has closed captioning on. And maybe that's kind of the rationale that CBS is using. Oh, what do they need the sign language for when they've got closed captioning on there and it puts a, 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 you know, a printout of the words almost in real time? The problem with that, though, is it's really not in real time. It's a little delayed, that closed captioning. So I kind of get where Marlene Matlin is coming from. One user writes, we all could learn so much by seeing them, and we know they could easily do a split screen to show them both at the same time. Uh, It's, again, not something I thought about at all until I read all the news coverage of this yesterday, but I totally get why she's upset about this. And Marlene Matlin, in addition to being the first deaf actor to win an Academy Award, she's been an advocate for the deaf community throughout her whole career, and she's done this, you know, her whole career called out companies for their lack of accessibility to the deaf. And look, I think she's got a legitimate beef here. Curious what you think. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222 if you care to comment. There is a representative by the name of Morelli who called out Congressman Joe Morelli who called out CBS for this same thing. He represents upstate New York, western New York to be precise, Rochester area, and this is what Congressman Morelli had to say. This is the part that I find most ironic, is they went out of their way to make sure that everyone knew they had an American Sign Language interpreter. Um, They introduced Daniel on the screen, and then it seemed to me after they got credit themselves for how inclusive they are, then they, they made this terrible mistake Uh, which I hope was simply a mistake. Perhaps we have maybe greater sensitivity because of NTID. I hope so. This ought to be a a wake-up call to them that they have to do better. And hopefully the other networks will will observe this as well and make every effort that they can to be as inclusive as possible. I kind of get it. I not kind of get it. I I get it exactly. I want to, I can't imagine this was intentional. As he said, they went out of their way to announce these people 
why would they then just not show them? It's just maybe there was a, a there's a logistical aspect of this that I'm not aware of. I don't know. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. If you don't get the um curb your enthusiasm reference a couple of years ago when they were doing the play Fatwa, which I think is one of the funniest seasons. There was a very funny episode, which you should go back and watch if you have uh, Max. There was a very funny episode where the sign language interpreter has a very large breasts and she shows a lot of cleavage. And people said they found it distracting because everybody was focused on her bosom instead of on the show. And then... They get this person as a sign language interpreter for the wedding, and it is similarly distracting to a lot of the men that are watching the wedding ceremony. It's a very funny episode, but um, 800-848-9222 if you care to comment. By the way, I've seen now the first two episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Love them both. I think they are both very funny, and they're, it, it's a little different you know, than what they've done previously. They're in another place, another state, another city, and it's, you know, it's a little bit different, but it's not too different. You still have a lot of the key cast, and if you haven't seen the first two episodes, I won't spoil anything. There's a couple of little nuggets if you're, you know, they they took a shot at my friend um, Rudy Giuliani, which, you know, honestly, Rudy Giuliani's got a pretty good sense of humor, so I, I don't even think he'd mind, but if you're somebody that is easily offended by people taking shots at politicians that you like and that's going to bother you, you've been warned. I still think it's fine, even if you like Rudy, which I do, to laugh at an episode that might poke fun at him. It's taking place in Atlanta, which I think is interesting. And I'd never been to Atlanta until last year. That was one of the 53 places that I visited in 2023. And I um, I thought that it was a – you know, I'm glad that I went there because I feel like having been there and spent a couple of days there gives me a, a better appreciation for the landscapes that they're exploring and some of the culture that they're exploring than had I not been to Atlanta. So I'm glad that I uh, went there. It's in- enhancing my enjoyment of the season even more. I'm not going to say anything that's happened so far, but it's clear – that they're setting uh, – this is the final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's clear that they're setting themselves up for a redo of the last episode of Seinfeld. I like the last episode of Seinfeld. I was one of the few people at the time that said they loved it. In years past – I mean, excuse me, in the last few years, I've heard all these people say some version of, oh, I didn't like the last episode when it aired, but now when I go back and watch it, I like it. I am very consistent. I loved it at the time, and I still think it's great. But it's clear they're looking at some sort of a redo of that last episode. 800-848-9222. Mordecai is in New Jersey. Hi, Mordecai. Hey, Frank. Um, I just wanted to comment, take back off of what you were saying before with the closed captioning. Um, I'm sure that you'd agree with me when I, when I say this, but, like, you ever been inside a diner or a restaurant and, you, you know, they have the TVs on, but the, the volume's not on. Yes, yeah, all the, the time. Sure, on. sure. But the closed captioning for, like, the news or a movie or whatever is, like, five or six lines behind. And especially when you know what's going on in the movie or whatever, or you can read their lips or whatever, and you see, like, they're stuck on, like, three or four sentences right. ago. It's, like, it's ridiculous. Well, I'll, so I'll, I Mordecai, to your point, to your point, 
Right now, there are four television screens on at the radio station here. All of them have closed captioning, and you're right. Every single one of them is noticeably behind what all the people on TV are saying. There you go. I mean, seriously, it's like, especially with the news or the sports cats, like it's always, uh, you know, especially like you, you watch the television, you're just like, you're not even focused on the game, but you're just like, why is it so far behind? You know, that's that's what you're thinking about. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think uh, Marley Matlin has a legitimate beef here. What do you think? I uh, look, I you know what, whenever whenever I um, whenever I see the uh, the uh, people doing the sign language on a, either picture in picture or whatever, I think it's very, um, you know, it's very uh, it's good that they it's good that they include everybody and they think of everybody. Um, I do think she has a valid point. I mean, why have the people there? Right, exactly. And it, make such a know. big deal that they're there. Right, exactly. I mean, how many, I mean, look, I, I, I realize I've seen, I've been to games where there have been, um, where there have been uh, people there that have been deaf and I've, and I've seen it, but you know, realistically, how many people are at that game that are either hearing impaired or deaf, you know, more or less you have this, you have this um, feature, these people that you're paying to do it at least have the, at least have one of the camera guys, you know, show a little bit of a clip, you know, five, I'm sure if they had like a total screen time of like 30 seconds that this, um, this woman would not have had such a beef with it, but um, they couldn't even do that. So, you know, yeah, that's what I don't understand. I mean, uh, why not give them the 30 seconds? I mean, it's an opportunity for them exactly. to pat themselves on the back and say, look, Oh, look how inclusive we are. Even if it's just to throw them a bone. I just, I don't understand it. Mordecai. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Tony. Remember back in the days um, when they would have, um, interpreters like for church services or for of debates you would have them on the, on, on the bottom on the right, left hand right. side that's what they should have done yeah wh- why didn't they do that that's what i don't understand yeah because i remember them um in- introducing them and then seeing them for a brief moment but then after that they will focus on the singers so like for future reference have it on the on, on the bottom on the left yeah, hand side that's or the what right i'm saying a little picture in picture yeah. kind of deal yeah exactly well, i mean what's the, the PPP, harm yeah what's the harm yeah I, I don't get it at all all right if someone understands maybe you could explain it to me 800-848-9222 800-848-9222 rick is in mount vernon hi rick yes good morning frank i'm just wondering if miss marlin's uh complaint fell on deaf ears Oh, Rick. Oh, Rick. Oh, Rick. I uh, I don't know what to do with that one. We're not even giving you a rim shot for that one because that's just, uh, uh, you know, I'm the guy that likes to laugh at everything. Even I can't laugh at that one. 800-848-9222. Charlie is in Hell's Kitchen. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. Uh, I I agree with you, but I think it was just an oversight. I think it was a mistake. I don't think just CBS was doing it to be intentional. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm assuming it was. I mean, well, I don't see why they would go out of their way to be intentionally insulting. But but just Charlie, what I don't understand is what kind of mistake that is. Where you know, it's almost like uh, I'm introducing our news anchor, Noam Layden. Oh, and here we got Noam Layden to give the news, and then you don't hear him give the news. I mean, that's what they did. They announced the sign language interpreters showed their picture on there, read their name, and then they didn't show them interpreting any of the songs. I mean, what's the point? Well, what else I was curious about, about the halftime show or about the thing, is that, and I was wondering if you, what you thought about this, is Megan Kelly, uh, formerly of Fox News, 
she criticized them for having two national anthems, lift every voice and sing, more commonly known as the African-American or the black national anthem. You know, she said she thought that was stupid, which I do, too. I mean, we have one national anthem. We have one country. Everybody should, you know, be behind the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, it, it's for everybody. It's not just for one race or one group of people, which she pointed out. And then wait for it. Guess what happened? Predictably, you'll never guess a million years what happened. But she was criticized. She was called a racist for saying that. And I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. That person's character and reputation for uh, should be besmirched uh, or criticized or dishonored simply because she said something which I well, feel well, like sir, many people. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, I, I that that's what we do nowadays, right? If um if you don't like what someone's saying, it's not good enough for you to just say I disagree and here's why. We then have to say you're a racist or you're Hitler or you're an anti-Semite. Now, I think reasonable people can have disagreements on all sorts of issues. It doesn't make somebody racially insensitive or anti-Semitic or anything like that. Unfortunately, that's the go-to. And it's unfortunately why I think those words, Nazi, uh, anti-Semitic, racist, they have very, they've come very close to almost losing all meaning because now we hear those words and those terms used all the time when it's not conduct that is uh, racist or anti-Semitic or anything uh, like, like that. And I find it really objectionable. Now, as far as what she said, I did see that, and I didn't pull the audio because I didn't think we were going to talk about it. But I um, I disagree with her. I mean, I actually agree with George Santos when I asked him about this on uh, on Monday. I don't think there's anything wrong with the song Lift Every Voice and Sing. If you look – first of all, they don't bill it when they uh, have the singer come out. They don't say, oh, well, before we get to the real national anthem, here's the black national anthem. They don't say that. They say – here to perform, lift every voice and sing is whoever was performing it. If you listen to the lyrics, if you read the lyrics, they're beautiful. It's all about freedom. It's all about liberty. It's all about, you know, it's all about faith. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. First of all, it's a, it's a great sounding song, but it also has a great message. If anything, I would have thought the people that would have been so upset about it were the secularists that would bristle at any mention of heaven or faith. It's a beautiful song that really that a lot of people view as empowering. So I don't think and really, if you look at the lyrics, there's nothing racial about it. There's nothing referring to race in the song at all. If somebody wants to take some solace out of that song and get something out of it, why not? But I, I, there's nothing offensive in the song at all. There's nothing anti-American. There's nothing anti-national anthem. They don't call it the black national anthem. They say, here's lift every voice and sing. If you want to call it that, that's fine. They're not billing it as a competing national anthem. If you were going to do a thing where you're going to say, all right, we're not playing the national anthem anymore. We're not singing the national anthem anymore. Instead, we're just going to sing, lift every voice and sing. Yeah, okay, I've got a problem with that. But th nobody's doing that. I have no problem with the addition of this. But I also think it's great that Megyn Kelly expressed her view. And I don't think it makes her racist in the least. 800-848-9222. JR is in Brooklyn. Hi, JR. Hey, good morning, Frank. How morning. are you? Great. Um, 
so this is a this is or this may not be a, this may seem a little wacky, but remember the sign language interpreter for Mayor De Blasio. Uh, v- vaguely, vaguely, yeah. All right, vaguely, but mo- a lot of people do. He was like a wild-haired guy with glasses. Oh, actually, yes, very, yes, yes, I do remember yeah, see, him. Yes. So the so this I think that the people from this who are performing sign language oftentimes are more entertaining than the person who's actually speaking. <laughs> and the people who are entertained, the entertainers are like, I'm not going to be one-upped by anyone. Oh, so you think, think maybe... That that's partially the reason. You think maybe the singers didn't want to share the stage with not, the... No, not so much that. I think that the uh, network and the NFL wants these celebrities on the television to have as much screen time as possible. Interesting. I don't think it's post. I don't think it's post Malone saying, Hey, I don't want a sign language interpreter here. Cause a lot of musicians have sign language interpreters on stage with them. The grateful dead has one. And it's really fun to watch because you can see her like performing and dancing at the same time. So I think it's a network is taking away, doesn't want to take away from the star time. So unlike what the previous caller said, you don't think this was simply an oversight. You think this was a strategic decision. I, I think there's room to, to argue that it's a strategic decision. Okay. Well, I think it's more strategic than you think. You know, you know part, I, mean, I think the, they're the, really behind that. The, the aspect of this that makes me think that maybe you're right is that CBS didn't immediately issue a statement saying, oh, we apologize, this was an oversight, and it'll never happen again. If that, if it was just a mistake, I think that would have been the, the statement that they would have put out there. But maybe you're right. Maybe this was... But here, here you, you, you run a professional entertainment show on the radio every morning. Sure, there's room for error here or there. This is the Super Bowl, and it's CBS. They don't make visual AV mistakes. A rarity. Well, I mean, first of all, uh, you remember a few years ago, the the lights all went out. I mean, not that that was the form of fault of the TV uh, people, but Correct. they did lose power for uh, 20, 30 minutes. That was a pretty big faux pas. Right. It was, but it wasn't a network faux pas. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, JR. Well, uh, well said. 800-848-9222. In a moment, I will tell you why, unlike Every other day that I'm here where I am loving every minute of doing this show and I would do it for hours and hours and hours, I am going to tell you why I cannot wait to get out of here and go home. We're also going to go through your mail correspondence. You can email me at frank.morano at uh, redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Heart for me, for me. 
By the great Sam Cooke. It's not his birthday as far as we know, but this is a Valentine's Day bumper music selection from Ben, at the board op and producer at KMOX, one of the great radio stations in the history of America, literally, and a station that we are very, very proud to be heard on every day and uh, a historic station which is an anchor in the midwest honored to be on and i appreciate that ben actually listens to the show a lot of you know a lot of uh, you know board ops they'll have the show on in the background everything's kind of automated and they kind of mentally check out at least ben is participating see they get me at KMOX. Steve Moore, not the economist, but the uh, general manager at, Steve, at uh, KMOX, he, he gets this show. He was really an early advocate of getting this show carried every day. He said, I like that it's not all politics. You know, you get so much politics during the day. So my thanks to uh, Ben and Steve Moore and everybody over at uh, KMOX, a wonderful, wonderful radio station. All right. Let me briefly explain to you what is going on in my house. There are two cats that are in a state of cold war. My office is East Berlin. My wife and I, our bedroom is West Berlin. The rest of the house is checkpoint Charlie. So we have two cats currently residing with us. We're working on finding a home for one of them. We have two cats that cannot stand one another. If they're ever at liberty, Ed, the new cat, will go after Prissy, the skittish cat who we've had for, you know, the entire time we've been in our house. He'll go in and find her and then he'll chase after her. It's It's a bad scene. So now what we do is we keep one basically locked up at all times. If when it's Ed's turn to have the run of the house, Prissy is in our bedroom and we close the door. When it's um, Prissy's turn to have the run of the house, which is at night right now, for instance, we keep Ed in my office and we close the door. Okay, Prissy is not at all reacting well to Ed being around. And who can blame her? This has been her house for a while. She lost two of her... Uh, adopted siblings recently, and now she's forced to share a house with this cat that she can't stand. So she's been urinating all over the place. She's been urinating on rugs. She urinated, I think, on Carmine's sleep sack. Uh, She urinated on a a blanket of some sort. Okay, that's where we are. And honestly, if you're a cat person, maybe you won't agree with this. I think there are honestly few stenches that are more offensive and more rancid than cat urine. It's an absolutely revolting stench. So, um, again, my my opinion, you don't have to agree. So I, uh, 
I'm going to let you in on a, a little secret here. I am someone, because we don't have an F. Murray Abraham here. What does that mean? Uh, we don't have somebody that's an outfit tracker. You remember the uh, episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm we played the uh, the clip of recently where, you know, uh, F. Murray Abraham is in the show and he's got a, a big issue with the, with the fact that Larry wears the same pants, you know, multiple days in a row. Well, there's nobody there's nobody like that here. As far as I know, that nobody's confronted me with this because I often wear the same pants two days in a row. Often. I mean, it's it's typical. For instance, this is the Curb Your Enthusiasm scene I'm talking about. Yeah, same pants as yesterday. Are you checking my outfits? No, no, just observing, that's all. You know, I was late and they had the belt in them from yesterday, so I picked them up because I was in a hurry. They're not dirty or anything. Then by all means, wear them again. You're an outfit tracker, Murray. Nobody likes an outfit tracker. I don't know why uh, casual observation has made you so uncomfortable. I, I just feel like I'm living in some kind of clothing police state, like it's 1984. Big Murray's watching me. Big Murray's not watching No, you. Big Murray is watching. Big Murray has other things to do. Apparently Big Murray has nothing else to do but outfit track. Not judging you, I'm just noticing that you wore the same pants. Okay, Big Murray. <laughs> So I frequently wear the same pants. Nobody's ever said anything to me about it. I don't think anyone cares that I'm wearing the same pants. Frequently I do this. So, and you know, I keep them clean. I keep them folded. Sometimes I keep them right on the floor, right next to my bed. Fine. Great. Well, today I did something that I don't generally do. Uh, I didn't get a chance to um, work out yesterday. So normally my routine is I'll, I'll, I'll work out and then take a shower and then put on, you know, a new shirt and everything else. So yesterday, I didn't get to work out. I showered, getting ready to leave. And I said, you know, the sweater that I wore yesterday, still clean. I wore it for all of five or six hours yesterday. That's it. Just five or six hours. It's such a waste for me not to get one more wearing out of it. Let me try to wear this sweater one more time. So clean, clean undergarments, clean undergarments. I was going to do the unprecedented of wearing the same pants and the same sweater two consecutive days. Let me see if anybody says anything. Matt Blaze is not in today. He's busy getting his colonoscopy. He's not going to say anything. Tony's too polite to say anything. Elias, hopefully, is too busy to say anything. The Greek guy that's filling in for Elias' normal role, he's in another room, so who's he going to say anything? Plus, he wasn't here the day before anyway. How's he going to know? Nobody knows. So that's my plan. Throw on the sweater, throw on the pants. Uh, watched a few minutes of Maestro with my wife, that uh, Bradley Cooper movie about Leonard Bernstein. I still can't figure out if I find this movie boring or not. I think I do. I think I do. I'm going to finish the film, but I think it might be boring. Uh, that's uh, I'll let you know once I finish watching the film. But anyway, I put on the sweater, get ready to leave. <laughs> And I smell something weird. And now I'm so paranoid because I know of this perpetual state of cat urine that I'm living in now. I hold the sweater up to my nose. Does something smell weird? I think it does. I, I can't tell where. All right. 
You know who's going to know? My wife. She's got a much better sniffer than I do, and she's a cat expert. So a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'm paranoid now because I'm, I think I'm smelling cat urine all over the place. She will come into the room that I think I smell cat urine in, and she'll say, no, no cat urine there. It's blah, 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 blah. So I take off my shirt. I hand her the shirt. I said, honey, smell this shirt. Is there cat urine on this shirt? She smells it, gives it a big sniff. She makes a face. I said, ah, there's cat urine. She said, no, there is way too much cologne on this shirt. I don't know what you did to this shirt, but you it's doused in cologne. I said, okay, a little too much cologne I can live with. It'll keep, uh, it'll keep people uh, keeping their distance. And I don't mind the scent. I don't even smell it. I mean, so I guess there's a little cologne from yesterday, a little cologne today. Fine, okay. She said, I said, you sure there's no cat urine? Definitely not. Great. Okay. Put on the put on the shirt. Leave. Drive to work. Come here, and I settle in. Start working on um, working on the show, making notes, and I happen to sit in a chair that has Curtis's guardian angel's jacket in it. Now Curtis lives with seventeen cats, and he's also look again. Curtis is a very close friend, and today's by the way the anniversary of him setting up the guardian angels. Congratulations, happy anniversary, Curtis. Um. He's not the most attentive when it comes to personal hygiene. And he thinks that this workplace is his closet. So he leaves his jacket on the back of the chair that I'm sitting in. I said to Dominic uh, Carter, I said, hey, is Curtis here? No, haven't seen him. That jacket's been there the whole time. And I smell something again. I said, I smell something. I said, it's got to be Curtis's jacket. It's either sweat or because, you know, he's running around all day long fighting crime, doing his thing, or it's cat urine because he lives at 70 cats. I take the jacket off the chair, throw it, not, not throw it, I place it in another room. And then I still smell this cat urine. I still smell it. I'm sniffing all over different parts of my shirt. I can't identify it on any part of my shirt. And then I realize, right before the show, right before the show, I realize that there looks like there's a stain on my pants. Now, it's tough to tell because my pants are very dark navy blue. They're almost black. I'm telling you, now I see it. There's cat urine on my pants. The reason my wife did not smell the cat urine on my shirt is because there was no cat urine on my shirt. But unbeknownst to me this whole time, I have been wearing pants that are doused with cat urine. And I will tell you, that is all I have been smelling for the last three and a half hours. I I was terrified when Eileen Fisher was in here, you know, sharing a uh, studio with uh, someone that could smell anything. Uh, poor Noam Layden has no idea what he's in store for next hour. This smells awful, awful. Now, what am I going to do? Not going to do the show without pants. After uh, I've already probably been written up for raiding the refrigerator for food that doesn't belong to me, the last thing I need to do is be written up for uh, doing a show without pants. I'll leave that to the Roger Stones, Dick Morrises, and Anthony Wieners that I, I'm on the radio with. Please, I'm not going to do that. Now, that's where we are. I am wearing pants that have cat urine on them. Maybe during the top of the hour, I got, there's some rubbing alcohol. Maybe I could throw some 
rubbing alcohol on them. Oh, actually, there's some Lysol disinfectant spray. I'm going to try and spray some Lysol on here and see if this does the does the job. This see, this might work. At least it might mask it for the remaining hour and fifteen minutes that I. Okay, so I'm spraying some Lysol. We'll see what that does. All right, so that's where we are. Um, Okay, well, now I still smell it. I still smell it. Now I smell Lysol and cat urine. So that's where we are. Okay, Uh, we will go through your email correspondence in a moment. If you have, (laughs) now I'm choking on this Lysol disinfectant spray. If you have an email you would like read on the air, uh, just email me. Frank dot Morano at uh, Red Apple Audio Network dot com. That's Frank dot Morano at Red Apple Audio Networks dot com. It's plural. Frank dot Morano at Red Apple Audio Networks dot com. This is the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight. Side at midnight with Frank Morano. Uh, a terrific, terrific song uh, every day, but especially on Valentine's Day. All right. A lot of you are kind enough to write in. Uh, let's see what's on your mind. Letters. Oh, we get letters. We get your letters every day. Mailman, mailman, mail today. Reach right in and pull one out. John Alexander writes, no, Jean Valjean got five years for what he did, the rest because he tried to run. Yes, 24601, and I am Javert. Do not forget my name. Do not forget me. 24601, look down, look down. Okay, 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 I'll stop. I've been humming that since you made the reference. That's the idea, John. That is the idea. Joe in Ron Conqueror writes, how did you do on your football boxes? I hit a quarter and I hit halftime and I did pretty good this year. Well, that's good. I won uh, 200 bucks. I was horizontal to a winning box. Uh, this was, you know, I used some of the money that I won from my football pool for the season and I bought two $50 boxes. So I spent $100 and I won 200 bucks. So I, I netted $100, which is just fine with me. That was the only bet I placed on the game and uh, it was a winning one. So be it. All right. Um, 
This is, um, I'll skip the text messages because we have limited time. Uh, Via email, Tom writes, uh, Swazi wins. You and Dominic Carter sounded like two Republican strategists conducting an autopsy on what went wrong and how to prevent it from happening again. Republicans need to get with an early voting and need to field better candidates. Well, they do. Uh, That's certainly not what Democrats or nonpartisan analysts are talking about tonight. They're talking about what the implications of New York 3 are for suburban districts and swing states, for POTUS, as well as for the balance of power in Congress. Um, You didn't sound how you sounded in our email exchange after Swazi's interview on Brian Lehrer when you were agreeing with me about what an outstanding public servant and human being your friend Tom Swazi was. Will the real Frank Morano please stand up? Well, I think Tom Swazi is a fine public servant. I still think he could have lost the election because a lot of people are upset with what Democrats are doing on the border, on crime, and on other issues. I don't think what I said was uh, in was contradictory at all. Uh, Evelyn writes on the subject of Karamia, great choice. Lucky the entire song wasn't played. My singing would have awakened everyone in in the apartment building. Evelyn from Bayonne. Uh, let's see here. Dennis writes on the subject of Vegemite spread, which I tried for the first time on Friday. Oh, excuse me, on Saturday, which I did not like, but I didn't hate. The rest of my family hated it. They couldn't even finish it. I, you know, I could take it or leave it. I would prefer to leave it, but, you know, I was able to eat it. I swallowed it. Hi, Frank. Dennis here. Listen in most nights from Sydney, Australia. Great show. Heard the conversation about Vegemite the other night. I think because most Aussies are fed with the spread from such a young age, you acquire the taste for it early on. That's probably the main reason we consume so much of it as adults. I've been to New York City on a number of occasions and hope to return soon. Regards, Dennis. Dennis, we'd love to have you back. We need more Australians here. Uh, Julia writes on the subject of my brother Alex. If you not up on this. My brother was claiming that he couldn't make the date of my ping pong tournament, April 13th. Julia writes, Hi, Frank. The 36-question idea is wonderful. Love it. About your brother, perhaps Alex feels more like a sore loser about his brother, you, having more concern regarding a stranger than him. Thanks for yet another great show, Julia. You know what? Maybe I could have handled it better. I'll be the first to admit that. Fine. Maybe I could have handled that better. But I didn't consult with Tony about when the event was. He asked me when it would be. I picked a date, and I told him so that he could take the day off. It was not like I said, hey, Tony, what day works best for you? Let's schedule it around you. I mean, that's not how it happened. Maybe that's what he thinks. Uh, The wonderful Ellen writes, uh, thank you, Frank. As someone who knows absolutely nothing about football, even I would have to say that I found this morning's show, meaning the show after the Super Bowl, very entertaining. And I didn't even watch the Super Bowl. So the bottom line is that even when I don't think I'll be interested, I'm interested. How do you do that? As I've said before, I appreciate you coming up with unique shows, unique guests, and your own inimitable take on all sorts of topics. You know, that's what we were trying to do um, in with that Super Bowl show, was make it a show that was listenable for people that don't care about football. Well, this is interesting. This is lengthy. I'm not sure I can read the whole thing. Um, subject, it's Dave from Dumont. Please read this and get back to me. Dear Frank, I want to write this email to you about some of the things I have said on your on the radio on your radio show about a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. And also about you saying my last name on the air about 13 months ago. 13 
13 months ago. I don't know what I was saying 13 minutes ago. First off, I have had some good moments on the air with you when I call in. I've been told in the past by people that are smart, they say to me, you're a smart guy. I will note that he misspelled your in that sentence, you're a smart guy. Um, If I recall correctly, you said about me as well in the past on one occasion after we spoke, you said on the air, Dave's a smart guy. But I will tell you, I'm a smart guy who makes some gaffes or says something that I should not be saying on the radio. The one example is I said to you, you know what doctors are? You said what? I said educated guessers. Then I said, you know what trial lawyers are? You said what? I said educated BSers. Then I said, you know what right-wing radio show hosts are? You said what? I said, they're just BSers. I should have not said this whole thing because I insulted a whole bunch of professional people. I said this on your show between 4 and 4.30 a.m. I know some lawyers I know casually, and they know I live in Dumont, recognize my voice. Albert Wunsch is a trial lawyer. He lives in Bergen County and has an office in Englewood Cliffs. He used to be a radio co-host on the Joey Reynolds show. I did call him on the phone at his office and spoke to him at length. I asked him, how do you work till 5 5 a.m., then go to your office or court by 9 a.m.? He said, I sleep about three hours a night. Okay. Anyway, I spoke to Matt Blaze a few days ago and wanted to offer my sincerest apologies to any doctor or lawyer I have offended. Hey, what about the talk show host you offended? For saying that about doctors and lawyers. I have a case against ShopRite supermarkets and what they did to me at the New Milford, New Jersey store. No lawyer wants to take the case and they give me stupid answers. Matt said, Dave, you said this on the radio a year and a half ago. He went on to say, no one remembers what was said on our radio show three days ago. Think about it, Dave. He said, I I believe that Matt Blaze is wrong, and I feel when you insult a whole group of people like lawyers and doctors on a radio show, they are not going to forget it. I have to tell you, I am so glad I got this email because I now have a whole new appreciation for what a good phone screener Matt Blaze is by not allowing this call on the air. I have no recollection of any of this conversation at all. I mean, not a second of it. And the fact that Dave thinks that anybody cares about this from a year and a half ago is amazing to me. And thank good. I never thought I would say this, but I'm happy to say it on a day that he's not here. Thank goodness for Matt Blaze keeping this call from being on the air. That is a feather in Matt Blaze's cap. Elias, I hope you're taking notes. You could learn a thing or two from him. John from Illinois, listening on uh, KMOX. Frank, my God, this is surreal. I'm listening live, KMOX, from the Illinois side of St. Louis. You're interviewing Ty Ventura, your post-Super Bowl analyst, and I can't believe what it reminds me of. Have you ever heard of Cheech and Chong's album Los Cochinos from 1973? Your interview literally sounds exactly like their skit track, called Les Morpians, Les Morpians, uh, which is a spoof of a talk show interview with Canadian buster Buddy Crabby. Ty's voice, timber, phrasing, and pace of talking is precisely as Cheech and Chong's skit. Of course, being a Minnesotan would be darn similar to a Canadian, but damn, it's like you owe them royalties. Seriously, this sounds exactly like their shtick. At any moment, I'm expecting to hear, eh, eh. If you're not familiar with the album or even less that specific track, please take a few minutes to find it and compare it to how your interview sounds. It's deja vu and completely unreal. I have not gone back and listened to it yet, John, but I will. But I will. Um, Jay writes, on the subject of a Super Bowl idea, I was trying to think of something different to do. 
Hey, Frank, without guests, just callers, discuss what unique Super Bowl snacks or foods you made and enjoyed or critique Super Bowl foods you tried. Two, everyone loves Mr. Sky, but I'd love to hear him debate a, a, d- debate a football game instead of talking about the sky. It's a good idea. I'll ask him about it next time he is, you know, the next time he is on the program. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk football. All right. Um, that's about it here, although I have some other good things uh, to get to. I'll save those for the next edition of... All right, Lisa, Neil, Larry, I will get to you after the top of the hour. And if you are listening to this program in uh, a market that does not carry all four hours of this program, well, the first thing you need to do is tell your station that they should be carrying all four hours of the program. But then the next thing you need to do is subscribe to the podcast. You can just search The Other Side of Midnight on any podcast app, hit the subscribe button, and you get all four hours of this program downloaded to your phone each and every day. And we give you two ways to listen. You can either listen to the whole show if you want to listen consecutively, or if let's say you're on a, in a market that only carries the first three hours, not the fourth or the middle two, whatever hours, you can pick which hours you didn't hear. There's a description of each hour, and you say, oh, I didn't hear the hour where Frank was uh, doing a thousand jumping jacks. Let me go back and listen to that hour. And you can do that. But the most important thing is rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. Until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. We still have our poll on Twitter at Frank Morano. What makes more of a difference to your daily routine today, Valentine's Day or Ash Wednesday? And so far, Ash Wednesday is winning. Not a lot of votes on that uh, question, though. Uh, perhaps it's due to the reason David cited. He tweeted, "They really should be. There really should be a third choice." For those of us who don't feel anything about either one of these events, that's that's fine. That's, uh, you know, I can totally, totally, that's a valid criticism. Absolutely. All right. Going to get back to your calls in a moment. Here's a story uh, from a couple of weeks ago that I don't know if you saw, but I wanted to bring it to your attention because I do find this somewhat concerning. Maybe this is just the nature of the beast. The TSA, the Transportation Security Administration, the TSA sparked privacy concerns after unveiling plans to roll out controversial facial recognition technology in over 400 U.S. airports soon. TSA is apparently in the early stages of deploying its facial recognition capability to airport security checkpoints. A spokes that's according to a spokesperson 
talking about this very ambitious program. They explained that the cutting-edge technology serves to both enhance and expedite the screening process for passengers. Dubbed CAT-2 machines, these automated identification systems accomplish this by incorporating facial recognition technology to snap real-time pictures of travelers. They then compare this biometric data against the flyer's photo ID to verify that it's the real person. These CAT scans, gee, I can't get away from these freaking cats. These CAT scans enable traveler use of mobile driver's licenses, thereby improving the security experience. That's what the TSA is saying. The TSA currently has 600 of these CAT 2 units deployed at about 50 airports nationwide, and they're planning to expand them to 400 federalized airports in the future. Following the implementation of these synthetic security accelerators at airports last winter, lawmakers expressed concern that the machines present a major privacy issue. Oregon Senator Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley, the TSA program is a precursor to a full-blown national surveillance state. Nothing could be more damaging to our national values of privacy and freedom. No government should be trusted with this power. What do you think? I, um, I'm a privacy advocate. I'm a civil liberties guy. I don't love them taking scans of my face either. So it's going to take a while before this mass rollout comes to fruition But I think this is potentially very concerning. This is a very divisive program that has spawned a firestorm of criticism following the implementation of these synthetic security accelerators at U.S. airports um, over the winter. So Merkley is part of a coalition of senators, bipartisan, by the way, this is Democrat and Republican, that includes John Kennedy, Republican of Louisiana. He's the guy with a thick Louisiana accent that loves to say crazy things. Ed Markey, a Democrat of uh, Massachusetts. Roger Marshall, Republican of Kansas. Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, who aligns with the Democrats. Elizabeth Warren, Democrat of Massachusetts. And they collaborated on something called the Traveler Privacy Protection Act. And... Um, The TSA is assuring the public that automated ID checks aren't mandatory and that the data won't be used for purposes other than screening passengers. So the technology, according to them, is completely voluntary. And according to the TSA site, travelers who decide not to be scanned will undergo a manual ID check by the TSA agent at the podium. And as far as these privacy violation implications, they declare that the technology is solely used to automate the current manual ID checking process and will not be used for surveillance or surveillance or any other law enforcement purpose. Let me go on record as saying I don't believe them. I think it absolutely will be used for both surveillance surveillance and law enforcement purposes. Um, they say TSA is committed to protecting passenger rights, civil rights, civil liberties and ensuring the public's trust as it seeks to improve the passenger experience through its exploration of identity verification technologies. I think, I think this is a load of hooey. I, I, I think this is terrible. 
And look, these these facial recognition technologies are becoming more and more prevalent everywhere and not just at the airport. Concerns about this facial recognition software, they popped up everywhere. In December, Rite Aid, which I think is now bankrupt, but Rite Aid was banned from using the technology for five years to settle charges with the Federal Trade Commission that it falsely flagged thousands of customers as potential shoplifters. You see, that's what I'm I'm worried about with this. I'm worried that, um, you know, I'll be trying to go through the airport, trying to hop on my flight, and they say, hey, sorry, uh, you look a lot like uh, Joey D'Angelo, the mobster. Nope, sorry, you can't uh, can't fly. That's kind of what I'm concerned about here. Also, just, you know, I don't know. I don't want you keeping a record of my facial features and things of that nature. I used to not even go through the scanners at the airport because, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. And then I was just in a hurry. It took so much longer to get the manual pat down that I submitted. All right, fine. I'll go through these, these whatever they call them, and the rap, rapo meters. I don't know. And so now I've been going through those. I was very principled for a few years, and now I just go through them. I recently decided that I was going to move forward with the... uh, By the way, if you want to comment on this, I'd love to hear what you think. Do you think this new TSA facial recognition technology, is this a concern for you now that it's being rolled out at 400 U.S. airports? A lot of people concerned about privacy concerns, civil liberty advocates are concerned, this bipartisan group of senators are concerned. I'm concerned. Are you? 800-848-9222. Why? Or why not? They claim it's going to expedite the screening process. But I have my concerns. Um, So I decided recently, I was advised that you have to do the TSA pre-check. Do the TSA pre-check. You're going to get through that airport line quickly. And I, I hate flying precisely because I hate going through airport security. And it comes for free with my um, American Express Platinum card. They reimbursed me. So I signed up to make an appointment for this. And then I I tell my wife that I'm going to get the TSA pre-check. And she was upset with me because I didn't ask her if she wanted to do it. She said, most of the time you fly, you're going to fly with Carmine and me. What are you going to do? Speed through the security line? Well, while we're waiting there for 45 minutes? Meantime, I was thinking of the last two times that I flew without her, one to Atlanta and one to Hawaii. And it did take me forever going through security. And I didn't, you know, I had to take your shoes off, which I'm told you don't have to do with the TSA pre-check. So I didn't want to have an argument with her. And honestly, I would offer to get it for her, but I'm not sure if it's free for two other people as well or if it's just free for me. i got to check with American Express on that. But I uh, I was not going to have an argument with her about that. So I'll, I'll revisit it uh, maybe over the weekend when we're we're having a good moment or something along those lines, when the glow of my... Wonderful Valentine's Day card and so forth is still very warm within her. All right, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Lisa is in Connecticut. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Um. Wow. Biometrics, huh? Indeed. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. It's it's a little big brother to me. Right. But uh, right. I don't know. I don't know about that, but I also wanted to give you a suggestion. Do you guys have any Febreze, 
like the Febreze spray in your office? I don't think so. I looked around. I didn't see any. So like Lysol? Okay, so when you get home, um, what you could do to get urine out of clothing and stuff is you can add a quarter cup of white vinegar to the washer and the bleach, like the bleach dispenser thing. Or you could actually do a half a cup of directly to the drum with your clothes of baking soda, and that gets the urine smell out of any clothing. Well, for a pair of – that's good advice. Uh, But for a pair of slacks like this, I'm going to leave it to the dry cleaner. I'm just going to give it to the dry cleaner and have (laughs) him do his thing. Okay. Now, the only suggestion I had with this whole cat situation that you have, and, you know, I'm a cat lady as well, and I often thought about getting another cat with Shadow, but Shadow is very, very, uh, he's he's a boy that probably would attack another cat. So um, I, I was thinking, why, why don't you hit up Howard Stern's wife? She's got a really good, like, uh, thing going on where they adopt cats and, and help cats out. Well, I think we're pretty Have close to um, I, I think we're pretty close to getting this cat adopted. There's this woman, Lisa, okay. that uh, that seems, uh, her name's Lisa actually, not, oh, yeah. not you, who seems interested oh, in cool. it. So um, I think we're going to see if it works out with her and see how that if goes. That Otherwise, maybe we will. Out, Sorry, yeah. But if that doesn't work out, she does a lot for a lot of for the cat community. Absolutely. No, Beth is great. She's a big animal lover and uh, does a lot uh, charity-wise and in every other respect. Lisa, thank you. 800-848-9222. Oh, you know, we have to still name a listener of the week. We usually do that last hour, um, and I have been going back and forth as to who this week's listener of the week should be. Uh, But this week... It's actually going to be the only the second instance of us picking a couple in this instance um, for the, for this honor of Listener of the Week. This week's Listener of the Week is Grace and Jerry from Staten Island. Great people. And uh, they actually came to our New Year's Eve party uh, back in December and uh, are great folks, wonderful people. And uh, our big listeners and follow everything we do and email a lot of great ideas. Very rarely do they call, but uh, they're both a they're a wonderful couple, great people and great listeners. Grace and Jerry, thank you for your support and patronage of this program. Thank you, Grace and Jerry, who share the title of Listener of the Week. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Suffolk. What do you think about all this, Robert? Good morning, Frank. Morning. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think, I agree with you. I don't think that it's a good idea for the uh, facial recognition and uh, digital IDs. Um, first of all, like your driver's license on your phone. It, I think it's really possible that bad actors are going, and also hackers are going to use, abuse the tech that creates those, like the substitute a photograph as part of the digital ID that might be used by TSA. Well, fortunately, there is a solution available now, and it is rather cheap and effective. Every citizen should get a U.S. passport and passport card. Now, the passport card, it's just like the size of a credit card in your wallet and can allow you to enter federal buildings like courts and government offices 
and also to travel at airports and select countries in this hemisphere without using the full passport. Well, I, so I think that's convenient. I, I think that's great. And my wife has a passport card, but I think that um I think that doesn't do anything to assuage my concerns that the TSA is rolling out this facial recognition monitoring to 400 airports. Well, if it's going to be optional, it's a secure way of the TSA verifying your identity as far as traveling. And right now it's like, I don't know, $125 or something to get both the uh, U.S. passport and passport card together. When you apply, you have to apply for both at the same time and send in the required forms. Uh, like at the post office, they'll take your picture, two pictures of you and uh, you send in your ID and uh, then they will send your ID back and like your birth certificate and stuff. And they'll give you the passport and uh, passport. All right. Uh, well, that's an idea, Robert. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, I I don't like it. And, uh, you know, I'm siding with these senators, Senator Kennedy, Senator Merkley and others that introduced this legislation to end. I mean, you characterized it, Robert, as voluntary. The way the senators characterize it is as it being involuntary. Once you go through that scanner, you're getting your face scanned. Um, And what they say, what Senator Kennedy said was every day TSA scans thousands of Americans faces without their permission and without making it clear that travelers can opt out of the invasive screening. The Traveler Privacy Protection Act would protect every American from Big Brother's intrusion by ending the facial recognition program. Of course, people like Larry David are more concerned with being protected from Big Murray. Senator Merkley, the TSA program is a precursor to a full-blown national surveillance state. Nothing could be more damaging to our national values of privacy and freedom. No government should be trusted with this power. I agree with him. I agree with him completely. So the three aspects of this legislation are it would require explicit congressional authorization in order for the TSA to use facial recognition technology in the future. Two, it would immediately ban the TSA from expanding their pilot program, which is what they're now doing. And three, it would require the TSA to end its pilot facial recognition program and dispose of facial biometrics. I uh, maybe we'll try and invite Senator Kennedy on this show and uh, and talk to him about it. And then you know what we'll play for him? We'll play for him a very catchy tune. I cannot remember for the life of me where I heard it, but it sounds like this. want a man for president who's seasoned through and through a man who's old enough to know and young enough to do well it's up to you it's up to you it's strictly up to you that's right we'll play that for uh, senator john kennedy neil in baltimore what's on your mind neil hey good morning frank morning uh, quite a highlight show from the love lorn to the rancid stench of uh cat urine i'm glad you're enjoying it my friend <laughs> yes yeah, so so much so uh i was a, i've been a cat person all my life and my ex uh, was a veterinary nurse and i i've told you over 
time, I believe, that I have a cleaning service that I started 20 years ago. And boy, trying to get cat urine out of a rug, good luck. I've seen many a rug replaced. No, we had to we had to fact. throw at least one, I think two, out. Yeah, that's right. And the other problem I think that you're going to have with your cat that is your home cat is that she may not stop doing that even after the other cat is gone. Oh, so you're that kidding. Could, that could be a problem for you. Yeah, I, I felt bad about knowing that, that fact. Um, uh, but also, uh, when I when I would do cleaning for people that had pets, I'll tell you what, dog hair, if that gets in a vacuum, it's got to be thrown out as well because they can just get completely destroyed. But um, I also had another idea, um, maybe to collaborate with Lisa on a project. I don't know if you've ever had listeners collaborate on anything, but I thought maybe if I could leave my number uh, for her, maybe we could. All right. Well, you, you've got my email, right? Or my text? Uh, um. I'm not sure if you, if you put right, me I'm going to put you on hold, hold and, um, and uh, okay. uh, Elias will give you my email. Email me, and I'll, I'll connect you with Lisa. 800-848-9222. Um, Aldo writing of the TSA situation. This is another Orwellian measure that the government seeks to impose on the citizens of our country. In my opinion, if this actually occurs, then this action in combination with masses of people who submitted their DNA samples to determine their ancestry will have no remaining privacy whatsoever. This is consistent with the globalist theories of people control. Well, look, I hope you're wrong, but I fear you might be right. I I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think it's a tremendous violation of civil liberties. Nobody knows it's voluntary. TSA's not telling anybody it's voluntary. Marty is in Baltimore. Hey, Marty. Hey, Frank. I just want to say I'm okay with the uh, facial recognition. However, I do feel that the TSA and Homeland Security need to be reeled in with a lot of the abuses that they commit. Uh, As long as it keeps one jetliner from crashing either to the ground or into a building, I think it's worth it. Well, but you know what? Uh, So Wait, wait, and I'm going to let you say whatever you want. But um, the point that you just made, right, how do we know if this technology or anything else that the TSA has done, how do we know if it's kept, if it keeps one jetliner from crashing into a building? Well, we won't unless it pulls some uh, people that are on the terror watch list uh, out, and I'm sure that will be publicized. Uh, if it gets them out of the line into uh, into a plane, uh, the other thing. Yeah, uh, that's other the two thing. Things want- that's the thing is, I think the they implement all these technologies because they play on people's fears, and I'm not really I'm not really convinced that any of it has ever stopped anything. I think we've spent a lot of money and given away a lot of our liberties because we think one day it may stop something. I don't think it stopped anything. Well, we we don't know that for sure. I mean, that that's your opinion. I mean, some people, you know, have a different opinion. Uh, the other two things I want to talk about you real really quickly sure, sure. is I I don't think a Valentine's card is going to make up for you not taking your wife to Hawaii. <laughs> well, no, but uh, she she had the option to come to Hawaii. She didn't want to come. Oh, she did. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, what happened fault, was then. it was um, my brother was getting married there. And uh, we had a, I think we had a six month old at the time and she just, she didn't want to leave our, our baby with someone else and she didn't want to take a six or seven month old on a 12 hour flight. So uh, it was her decision not to come because of logistics. So I just went basically for a couple of days, basically for the wedding and came back. 
Oh, okay. That, that, my mistake. Then the other thing I want to tell you, the only thing worse than cat urine on your clothes is what a male cat will throw on a piece of furniture and you sit in. That is a hundred times worse what? than is a maggot gagger. Oh, jeez. All right. Oh, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Marty. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Marnie calling from uh, KMOX in St. Louis. Hi, Marnie. Hi. You know, why don't they use this facial recognition on the border? For the illegals. You know, that's an idea. Well, first of all, I think a lot, the border is so porous that a lot of them are getting through uh, at, uh, you know, without any sort of checkpoint or anything. But how about at the places where there actually is, uh, you know, a checkpoint at the border and there is security that people go through? I think that's a great idea. I mean, how often have we seen instances of people who've committed crimes and then they've been repatriated back to their country only to sneak into the country again. So while I don't think it does anything to help catch the people that are just sneaking in, it does maybe prevent some people that are trying to get into the country. I think that would work if it was done in conjunction with hiring more border security agents and more security at the border in uh, in general. Certainly a better use of the technology than at the airport to spy on me. I'll tell you that. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hi, hi, Larry. Hi, Frank. You know the problem with the cat is that your wife is a speciesist. The human species come last. You know when I hear about what you had to go through with your pants. First of all, it's bad enough that you had to fold your pants and keep them on the floor. They should be on a chair, but you have to deal with. Well, that's cat my urine. Fault. My fault. What? Yeah. That's my fault. I mean, no one told me to put it on uh, on the floor. I could have easily found. I could have hung them on a hanger, certainly. Yeah. Well, the the point is, I've heard this about this story is about your your wife not wanting to put cats outside uh, before. I mean, cats do very well outside. If you have that much of a bleeding house, a uh, bleeding heart, get a barn or a shed where the cats can hang out in. I mean, the fact you you shouldn't have to go through this. This is this is not normal. Well, I mean, if. Uh, it's. Uh, it, it, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But uh, the, believe it or not, there are some people in this world that are even worse off than me. So save your tears and save your charitable contributions for them. Noam Layden joins us straight ahead to break down the news. And uh, boy, oh boy, are there some interesting stories you are going to want to hear today. We'll hear them straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
the great Tina Turner. Uh, this is a uh, birthday bumper music selection uh, from my friend Linda. Uh, Linda, I knew her as a different last name, but she's using a different last name these days, so I will respect her, um, whatever reason she's using a different last name. Maybe I'm not caught up on all the reasons people have uh, different last names, but happy birthday to Linda, a great person and a friend of mine for many years, a great person and a great mom, and uh, happy birthday, Linda. May all of your wishes come true today. And always, somebody that has been doing very well in the Wish Department. I saw him uh, lighting his cigar with a $100 bill after winning big on his Super Bowl gambling excursions is the one and only Gnome Layden. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. And its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello, no. Good morning, Frank. Uh, happy Valentine's happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. And even though you're not a Christian, I will wish you a happy Ash Wednesday. Oh, that's right. It's a... I'm sure you were, you know, w- when you were at that Christian school, just dousing yourself in ashes like crazy. I did every year, of course. Sure. I might even do it today. Why there not? You go. Great. You know, I got Wonderful. no problem with that. Exactly. The, um, are you, do you have something all set up for your bride for Valentine's Day? I am um, going pretty conventional this year. I'm, uh, I got some flowers, which I have with me. I have to just work on transporting those effectively to the house. I got a, a card, which I'll, I'll write something nice. Got a little chocolate. And I have ordered, for circumstances that we've been talking about, a black light cat urine detector. Oh, yes, I heard about this. So that's kind of the I mean, nothing says romanticism and uh, Valentine's Day like a black light urine detector. That's right. I may also – you ready for this now? (laughs) There is a great pizzeria in our neighborhood that does a terrific – Heart-shaped oh, pizza. Oh, there you go. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and order that heart-shaped pizza. You know pizza. what? I am glad because I know you're relatively newly married. Yeah, you didn't fall years, right. into that trap where the couple days before Valentine's Day, the wife says, you know what? I don't really want you to do anything for Valentine's Day because that's a trap they set up for you just waiting for you to fall into <laughs> you it know and what you that did is? not. So good. That's the equivalent of when the police officer stops you and the police officer says, you know, I don't think you've been drinking, but right. let me get you to just blow into this breathalyzer <laughs> right. just so we can prove it. I mean, I don't think you're drunk. And it's, sure enough, they can't throw those handcuffs on you faster. Exactly. You know, uh, speaking of Valentine's Day, uh, it is kind of a sad Valentine's Day in Portland, Maine today. I had never heard of this guy. Maybe you had. There was the Valentine's Day bandit who struck every single year in Portland, Maine. This guy would secretly go out and put up red paper hearts everywhere you looked in Portland, Maine. So people would wake up with a lot of anticipation. He'd been doing it for decades and they'd be surprised where these Valentine hearts would be. He would climb towers to the top of a bell tower. He would um, he'd actually swim out into the middle of this lake and put this uh, heart on this um, this log barrier that was out in the middle of the lake um, on storefronts, on schools, everywhere you looked. Nobody, except for a few people, had any idea who this guy was until, unfortunately, untimely death last year. So this is going to be the first year they will not have the Valentine Bandit. And he never wanted to be identified. He wanted to be this guy who was the surprise every year on Valentine's Day. But the family said, you know what? 
he deserves to get the credit for what he did. He made so many people's lives really happy on Valentine's Day each year. So Kevin Farman, that's his name, died of 67 years old uh, just just a couple months ago. And the family uh, on this Valentine's Day giving sort of a rare glimpse of the extent he went to to make Valentine's Day special for everybody, sure. whether you had a Valentine's Day or not. Um, there was one year, uh, just two years ago, he climbed to the top of the First Parish Church on Congress Street, dropped his cell phone, it shattered into pieces. There were other mishaps. He rolled down a snowbank one year. There were boat trips out to Fort Gorgeous, which uh, proved dark and dangerous. He fell in the water a few times as he was putting up the paper hearts. So uh, this year... Now everybody knows he is. It's not going to be the same thing, but they're trying to get people in town. They have a, a website set up called Be Like Kevin, where they're going to have people do their own Valentine's Day type things. But unfortunately, the Valentine's Day bandit who brought so much joy is no longer here. Uh, that is a shame. I am uh, sorry to see that. And uh, maybe somebody else in Oregon or maybe other people around the country listening will be inspired by this the was story. Oh, oh, Portland, excuse me, yeah. Portland, Portland. Um, will it be inspired by this and take up his mantle yeah of course uh this has always been a big deal when people are dating who pays for the check interesting story not mine out of the new york times uh over yesterday where they did they talked to couples about this and they even have done some studies over the years about why it is that the man almost always pays and here we are it's 2024 on the calendar and uh, women are in Positions of power, they have great jobs, they're in the workforce in the same way that men are, maybe even they more even so. Vote now? That's what I heard. In right. some places, they're even allowed to drive. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> even Saudi Arabia these days. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, why are men still paying? And there are professors who've done studies on this, uh, talking to uh, young people, especially so in their 20s, who watch their parents be in these relationships where. Essentially, the husbands were more dominant in terms of the way things were worked out. And so the thought was maybe this next generation would be different because women are going to school in sure. higher numbers. I mean, it's, there's a lot of equality that's happened over the last 30, 40 years. But for some reason, that has not changed at all. And when they talk to men in their 20s about going out on dates, 80 to 90 percent of them in all these different studies say, no. I want to pay. It's not even a matter of that I'm mad I have to pay, right. but it's the expectation that they should pay. Right. So now you role. ask, right, yeah. so that's their role. So now you, you should say, okay, well, let's ask the women what they think because maybe the women don't feel that way, right? Here it is, 2024, yeah. equality, so many things have Fat happened. Fat chance, let's yes. see. Yeah. 80 to 90% of women said, yes, men should pay on the date. Yeah, it, uh, it is very interesting. This is the one area where equality and women's lib seems to have, uh, hit a speed bump. There's not exactly, uh, not exactly people running, running down the ramparts saying, let women pay. No, and when you talk to these men who are involved in these studies, they say, you know what? It, it is a lot of money to go out oh, on yeah. a date, especially if you're trying to impress somebody. Maybe no you doubt. met them. Maybe it's somebody you're taking out from work. A couple hundred bucks slapped down. Now, I will say this. With most of these couples who took part in these studies, they say if the relationship advanced past a couple dates and they started to get to know each other, the couples were more likely to share a check and not have one or one person would pay for it and the next person would pay for the next one. So it did equal itself out. But on those first couple dates, 80 to 90 percent of the time, 
the man pays. And there's a lot of examples where men said that they would leave to use the restroom. The check would come and sometimes the women would pay and that would just outrage them to no extent that they that the woman oh, yeah. would well, pay. You can't do that. You got to be smooth. You got to you got to get you got to give your credit card to the waiter while you're on the way to the restroom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially if you really want to be the person yeah. who pays. No, that's the that's the move. That's yeah. The move. So nothing's changed, by the way, when it comes to courtship. Not men still have to pay on this. No Valentine's doubt Day. about it. Not surprised at all. Valentine's Day, a huge day for people to get down on one knee and ask their loved one to marry them, right? This is not unusual. It's become Christmas. All okay. the big holidays yeah, yeah, are yeah, big yeah, one, yeah. but Valentine's Day may be the biggest one. And, and we are talking to some lawyers who say, by the way, you know what happens the next day on February 15th for people who have any means, have money? The next day after they ask their girlfriend to marry them, they'll call the lawyer and they say, I need you to write up prenups. The days and weeks after Valentine's Day are huge for lawyers who write prenuptial agreements. They say this has been happening a lot in the last 10 to 20 years, uh, especially when people are getting married just a little bit later. They've accumulated some wealth Mm -hmm. along Mm -hmm. the way, and now they're deciding to get married. They want to protect that wealth. And so prenups have become huge in the end of February for the legal business. They're writing them up. As well, will be tomorrow, I guess. They'll start writing them up after Valentine's Day. You give the engagement ring. Now it's time to make sure you protect your assets. There you go. Nothing's, Nothing's like more romantic than after asking your spouse to marry or soon to be spouse to marry you to then say, hey, by the way, I want you to sign off on this agreement so I can protect my assets. That, uh, that is it. Um, uh, you know, you, no prenup for you, I imagine. Um, no. Well, no. You know, I, had nothing, <laughs> I had nothing to protect. Yeah, same. same. Yeah, same. exactly. But I, knew, I do know a fair amount of people who were asked. And one my is a very close friend of mine. He said he was really just devastated when she presented him. Oh, she presented him. With yes, uh, she came from a family. Comes from a family of means, and her father encouraged her to get him decided, and he did in the end. But he said at first he thought, you know what, I don't want to marry this person. Huh. Interesting that they don't trust me. Very interesting. We'll but, have to explore that as a future segment. Yeah. Thank you, Noam. And now you know the rest of the story. You know, so I just got a, uh, a Facebook message, and you can message me as well on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash moranofan from Linda, whose birthday it is. And she said, you know, she has the same last name as I knew it, right? It's still Linda Padell. But here was my confusion, right? So she's married to my friend Jeff Padell. And here was my confusion. She now on Facebook goes by Linda Glore. Now, I never knew her as Linda Glore, but why is she changing that name on Facebook? I thought maybe in advance of Valentine's Day, maybe they went their own way and she doesn't want to be identified as Linda Padell. So, of course, she's Linda Padell, and she's sending me now a note reminding her, reminding me of where I know her. Linda, of course. You know, I've met you a thousand times. I know exactly where I know you from, uh, but I appreciate the reminder nonetheless. All right. Uh, I also I'm going to share on Facebook a um, a really nice photo of uh, my son Carmine building a snowman yesterday. He had a good time in the snow, and this one is uh, he, he school was closed for him, so he went out with my um, my my dad and stepmother and built a snowman. I'm going to share that on uh, Facebook.com/slash Morano Fan. But um, he, uh, you know, I was wondering about the snow shoveling situation yesterday, and I was concerned that the snow would stop while I was still sleeping, which would lead to a situation disastrous in any event where either I would be woken up prematurely and not have to not get to finish my slumber or 
I would get to, or my wife would have to go out there and shovel. And this was not good shoveling snow. This was very heavy, very wet, very thick snow. It was not the light, fluffy snow that you can just push out of the way, kind of using your shovel as a snow plow. That's my favorite type of snow to uh, shovel. This is the snow that you have to get under, and you have to really exercise an enormous amount of strength and effort to just lift it up. And you can't do a lot at a time because it is so dense. So it would have been a disaster if my wife had to shovel it. Anyway, what happened? Uh, my wife goes out to begin the, prospect, uh, the, begin the prospecting of the shoveling process while I'm still asleep. And everything's shoveled. Walkway shoveled. Driveway so- shoveled. Sidewalk shoveled. Our neighbor across the street, Adam, had his son, Dean, shovel the entire block. Shovel the entire block. Uh, It was very, very nice of him. I mean, I did a little dust up after I woke up. But um, it was very, very nice of Dean, who's a young man. I think he's maybe, I don't know, 12 or 13. And uh, really just a great kid. And uh, his dad, I know, probably told him, you know, he has to go out and shovel the whole block. Now, I used to do that when I was a kid. I used to shovel the whole block. And I still kind of do that. But, you know, now with my nocturnal hours, most of the shoveling is done by the time that I uh, wake up. So it was very nice of Dean. I'm going to try and slip him, you know, some cash. But his dad would absolutely never allow him to accept some cash. So when I see him, I got to try and slip him the cash, do the old money handshake and say, you got to do me a favor. Don't tell your dad about this. So we'll see where that goes. But that was really nice. He saved us uh, a great deal of time and um, probably a pulled muscle or so. All right. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. in New York City has been holding. Hello, Al. Good morrow, AC, Frankie, Five Burrow. Howdy. Superstar. Listen, I, I have narcolepsy reverse, so I just woke up. I heard there's some kind of contest bumper music for uh, Cat Solutions. Is that true? <laughs> there is not. Oh, my humble apologies. Well, anyway, I digress. Here are two solutions which will truly, and I mean truly, money-back guarantee help you alleviate and uh, eliminate possibly uh, the odor, or at least mask it at the very least. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to get out of here get and get these little, pants off. Get, 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 get that computer going as I speak, as I know you always go right away when a trivia question goes on. Here it is. Go okay. to Amazon, which you have mentioned you have. Look this up, and you'll get it about $15. Angry Orange Pet Eliminator Spray. All right, I believe it's natural, and it's going to do wonders. You know, I think you've actually recommended this before. I think we have this, actually. The vomit. The vomit smell that you couldn't get back at the Right, that's right. Yes, I think we actually got that at the time. Okay, now here's the thing that will really help, which I mentioned, which you probably just dismissed, said Curtis. Listen, here it is. Bamboo, charcoal, activated charcoal, okay, uh, uh, odor eliminator. And what it comes in... You know, like in the old Western times, you would see a guy hold gold dust in a hand, like a little sack of it. It's exactly like that. It comes in a gray fabric, has a little hole where you could hook it wherever you want, your car, whatever. And amazingly, you would not think this little little sack of nothing could do what it does. But it just takes everything out of the I don't air know that we have away. that. Give me the name of that again. Charcoal Activated Odor Eliminator? Charcoal. C-H-A-R and then coal. 
charcoal activated. And all it is is like little sacks. You get about four of them okay. for about $12. Uh, I like it. I, I don't know that it's going to do anything um, uh, for me for the next half hour. One but... day. All right. No, you can't because you don't have it with you right now. But you order, you'll get it within a day, and you place them wherever, like on your son's uh, thing there, you know, in a safe spot where he wouldn't chew on it. And uh, I'm telling you, charcoal is amazing for body toxins, but also for odors. And you put them in your sneakers. Guess what? Curtis puts it in his hat. You know, when you walk that hat in August, it gets funkified. You put that sucker in, the next day, odor gone. You know, truly works. I wouldn't tell you. All right? I believe it. Al, all the best. thank you, my friend. You got the best show going in America. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it, Al. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Original Rick is in Original Jersey. Hi, Rick. Yes, good morning, Frank. Morning. Uh, quick, th- quick thing about uh, you got, you're getting that flashlight that shows, you know, like bio stuff. Be careful. <clears throat> Don't let Rachel use it. She will lose her mind. It shows, I have one here. It shows every bodily fluid known. No, it, it just doesn't show urine. You use that in your bathroom, she will never stop cleaning. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, I used to use it. Now I clean without it. I don't go back over and use it again because I will go back and back and back. You can't ever, unless you're a operating room, you're never going to get it. So you go and look, and it does show it. But don't let her use it because I've heard about Rachel and she will lose her mind. That's that's a fair warning, Rick. Thank you very much, my friend. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. singing The Other Side of Midnight, an instant classic which is just burning up the charts, no longer available on iTunes. Uh, So if you do want a uh, a copy of uh, that song, you can email me and I'll put you in touch with uh, the artist and he's making them available for a very limited amount of time, I think for free. So you can email me, frank.morano at... uh, Red Apple Audio Networks, plural. Red Apple Audio Networks, 
com. Hey, I want to wish a uh, happy birthday to not only Mike Bloomberg and John Gotti Jr. and Linda Padell, uh, but also to my friend, a uh, fine lawyer in his own right, Joe Calderera. He has been an assistant TA. He's um, run for office before. A great guy and uh, a good friend uh, that I've known a long time. And uh, it's his birthday today. He's engaged. Hopefully he and his uh, fiance have something fun planned. Also, uh, today is um, Carl Bernstein's birthday of Watergate fame. So uh, happy birthday to Carl Bernstein and one of my wife's oldest friends, Janine, celebrating her birthday today. A happy birthday to everybody that has a birthday on Valentine's Day. And, you know, lucky are the people in your lives. They get to get you one card. They don't have to splurge for both a birthday card and a Valentine's Day card. They just get you one. And they're just writing, oh, by the way, happy Valentine's Day. Lucky them. All right. Happy Ash Wednesday. Oh, Ash Wednesday is less of a happy holiday than uh, than Valentine's Day is. But uh, hopefully everybody that's abstaining from something during Lent, hopefully you have an easy fast. All right. Uh, if you didn't eat your king cake yet, hopefully you find the baby in that king cake. Without further ado, 800-848-9222. Time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Mike! Morning, Frank. About that smell on those pants, cat urine most likely, it's time to send them out and have them detailed. And if that doesn't work, park them on the street with the keys in the pocket. Maybe a homeless person will steal them. Probably not. That smell might be stuck on you. Neil. I can't believe the guys in the booth didn't offer you their pants, Frank. Whatever happened to brown-nosing the boss? Paul. Yeah, mama, E. Frank. Yes, superstar. I committed a very serious Christian Roman Catholic venial sin years ago by intruding into the St. Patrick's Foundation dinner. Could you ask Cardinal Timothy Dolan to give me absolution and clemency this Ash Wednesday, please? Raji. It's now 30 years now, and Russia and China are still protesting about the United States more than 750 bases aimed at circling both Russia and China. Norman. Swazi. The horror. The horror. Ow! Please keep this. Imagine their house. God bless you. Rocco. Happy Valentine's Day to all you friends and lovers out there. Good luck, Matt, with the procedure. And Sid is the best, and Gnome is number one in news. Bob. Yes, it is way past time for a death penalty for white-collar criminals. Thank you very much. Bill. This is more on. This is more And Lisa. Did you know it's Jimmy Hoffa's birthday today, too? No, senior or junior? Uh, Jimmy Hoffa. I did know? not know that. Lisa, thank you. That slams the lid on things to today. Back tomorrow, God willing. Frank Morano, good day.